Erg. I hit a deer, but it was only going like 10 miles an hour, and I thought it was hilarious. Because <laughs> I, I literally like sent it up in the air, but it just got up and was like, what the hell, man? <laughs> and then just like went back into the woods, so I thought that was like absolutely the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> if he put his paws on... Uh, <laughs> yeah, he on on like, what the... <laughs> I'm his, walking here. His paws? I said paws. <laughs> what what are they called? Hoops. On a deer? Hoops. Hoops. Yeah. Up on the rooftop, reindeer paws. Isn't that how the P A U S E? I think. Not P A W S. Like they take a break. No. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> Up on the. That doesn't make any sense. I accept your ex- explanation, but I still have questions. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It seems like that should have been made a bigger deal at some point that we would have all been aware of. I like. I, I feel like uh, that discussion should have been had somewhere in a public forum that it would have yeah. been settled so that we w- we would have had to discuss it that you know two weeks ago. Well, was no one in my camp? No one thought it was paws like feet um, on the rooftop. I was until she spelled <laughs> it out, yeah. and then I saw the song and thought, "Yeah, that makes all the sense." Uh, I just thought it was hooves. I had no song correlation. Like I wasn't thinking of the song yeah. at all. I just thought, "Well, they're hooves because they're it's a hooved animal." But no, but you're I'm the, the one, one who that said paws. Paws. I know, but I I did a 180 real quick. It wasn't like. I mean, I, see, I could you, have easily been talked into, no, they have paws, and I'd be like, oh, okay. But see, that's why you, you have a healthy outlook, is that you took new information, synthesized <laughs> it, and came up with the correct response while I doubled down on my incorrect information. Stay with it, dude. Just let it... That's the, that's the tree I want to die on. Go down the I want to die. <laughs> the tree I want to die on. That's, Sorry. That's a saying. <laughs> yeah, that's a saying. Well, the other I thing... I want to die in the 16th chapel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I also would be willing to, to uh, admit that it's possible that a reindeer is like a fictional animal, even though yeah. there are reindeers. Like Santa's reindeers are... Fi- if they had... If they can fly, they could have paws. Right. Yeah. You he know. has a red nose. Yeah. Yeah, Why they, not throw a unicorn horn sure. on there while we're at it? If you told me they were gilled, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> yep, that's those ones, the ones that can fly. Val is uh, <laughs> off today, and uh, Gabriella DeLuca from Channel 11 will be filling in with your news a little bit later on this morning. I'm going to get things started for you, but first a look at the weather from Dormont Appliance. 11. Thank you very much. Uh, currently, we are at, uh, what do you guys think it is, about 70 degrees, something like yeah, that? Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. Uh A quick look uh, at the news. The family of Aretha Franklin says the eulogy delivered at her funeral on Friday was offensive and distasteful. And this is a pretty bizarre funeral because not only was it 10 hours long, but there have been several apologies. (laughs) Is this the most scandalous funeral that's ever happened? My God. Great great job, whoever booked the musicians. Horrible job, whoever booked the reverends. (laughs) Horrible job. We got gropers, we got inappropriate eulogizers. Not even a behind the scene groper. A right no. out in front of everybody groping. Right out in front. <laughs> <laughs> right out in front. Right out in front. <laughs> That's not the tree you want to die on, Bill. No. <laughs> Uh, Vaughn Franklin, Aretha's nephew, said the Reverend Jasper Williams Jr. Oh, good old Jasper. Imagine how Jasper Sr. would have been disappointed. Jasper Williams Jr. talked for nearly an hour and didn't properly eulogize the Queen of Soul. I mean, look, if you're going to talk for an hour, say something about the dead person. Instead, he just didn't get around to it. 
Williams talked about the problems of black children growing up without fathers. If black lives matter, or black lives don't matter until black people stop killing each other. He suggested a black woman can't raise a black child to be a man, although Aretha was a single mother to four boys. <laughs> like, I want to talk about this Bitcoin. <laughs> what is this thing? Now, I understand it has a ledger. What is that? He's just talking about anything you can think of. Saying is no way to make a living. <laughs> Franklin said the family was caught off guard by the eulogy. Uh, another Would, hol- wouldn't they someone have to like proofread this though? You can just let somebody go on completely off the cuff and I just let them roll with it, or what? I, well, I I don't think that that's culturally appropriate. Like I don't think. Like black ministers, they don't have a bullet pointed list. Turn in. Yeah. No, they're like sometimes the spirit gets in you. <laughs> yeah, and I guess then that's you, true. You start talking, and then you know all of a sudden he's way down the line. <laughs> he's just pointing at whatever dress she's wearing in the casket, and this is tacky. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that literally. There's a stickiness to it, and I don't know if somebody spilled a pop in there. <laughs> Or what happened? Someone definitely spilled the pop. But we're never going to get through as a people when we're still bringing pop to a funeral. <laughs> Who brought that, man? Uh, <laughs> and if a child doesn't have a pop and only has a mom, <laughs> probably well, no, the kind of person to bring pop to a funeral. What he said was... I didn't hear any Oh, my of God. It. What he said was... Uh, Children that grow up without a dad in the home are like child or like abortions after the birth. So he's typically conflating a couple issues in that just metaphor right there. Yeah. Well, you just want to try to avoid invoking abortion at any point in time yeah. at a funeral unless it's for an aborted baby. Right. Even then. <laughs> and even then. <laughs> well, too soon. Not you a know, great why, thing you, you, that to too bring soon. up. <laughs> Too soon. Another star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame is v- being vandalized. Uh, Bill Cosby. Did he bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> and who keeps messing up the stop, man? Listen, I know he might have done some bad stuff, but Aretha, who didn't love the Cosby show? Aretha Franklin was born in 1955, and who is messing with Dr. Huxtables? <laughs> Bill Cosby's name was scratched out on the plaque and replaced with the words, Serial Rapist. Scribbled in black marker. The LAPD says it's unclear when the star was damaged, but officers are investigating. A similar incident happened back in 2014 when someone wrote the word rapist on Cosby's star. Just a suggestion. Get rid of Bill Cosby's star. I think we're all... I don't think there's anybody really fighting for that one anymore, is there? Can they do that? Because um, th- they might have to take up a bunch of those stars if they start that wow, process. Wow, that is true. <laughs> they could have Me Too Boulevard that's just <laughs> littered with all of the all of the uh, disgraced former celebrities. Yeah, just put them in an alley somewhere. Alan DeGeneres. Alan. Alan's brother. Alan, uh, Alan, <laughs> Alan, Alan is her brother. Is Alan is not funny at all. No, this uh, is... She's, she's right ter- up... He's terrible. He's right up font... Uh, <laughs> Ellen is making her way back to stand-up comedy after a 15-year hiatus with the new Netflix special. It's called Relatable, and it debuts in December. Uh, she announced it during the premiere of her talk show's 16th season yesterday. How about she's on That's her insane. 16th wow. year of doing that show? I remember 
when that started, I was like, well, this isn't going to last. Right, because at the time, Ellen, was she kind of, I mean, she was sort of, had fallen out of the limelight. It basically would have been like, like instead of Drew Carey getting the prices right, it would have been like him starting a talk show and thus a cultural phenomenon. Right. Just didn't see that coming. Yeah. She had the um, the sitcom in the in the 90s, mid-90s, and then she came out as gay, and on the cover of Time Magazine, it said, yep, I'm gay, you know. It was somewhat scandalous, believe it or not, at the time. And I don't think the sitcom lasted more than two more years. I remember Jeremy Piven was in that sitcom. Yeah. And so... I don't remember that. That would have been... Her show would have been canceled in 99-ish. And if that's been on the air for 16 years, then you're talking about 2002. So it was a couple of years after that TV show. And I think it was sort of like her last like swing at that point, right? right. Like, oh, let's see if this works. And boy, has that thing been successful. Pretty good swing. Very good swing. I, I mean, her original stand-up was great. Oh, yeah. I don't know that I've seen her do a lot since then, but I always thought she was like Bob Newhart. She reminded me very much of Bob Newhart, yeah. as much as she even kind of lifted that bit, talking to God right, on the right, phone. Right, on the phone, yeah. Uh, which was very much a Bob Newhart thing uh, that he stole from Shelley Berman, who did the exact yeah. same thing. Didn't Mel Brooks just say that half a comedy is just finding the right people to steal from? That's so, right. There you go. Um, Shelley mm-hmm. Berman, who just passed away, he played Larry David's dad on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And was a member of the original Compass Players, which became Second City, and his uh, castmates were uh, Mike Nichols and Elaine May. Wow. That's a lot of useless information. Nobody will use any of that today, (laughs) but every once in a while, if I don't get that out of my brain, it becomes a big stain that will later contribute to something like ALS or something. See, but every time I think about, like, Shelley Berman or someone like that, I just think, like... What is the point of trying to chase fame? Like Shelley Berman, I, I remember you ever hear a guy, an author named Herman Wook. Mm-hmm. He wrote like the, the Cain Mutiny and everything like that. This guy was on the cover of Time magazine. I bet you, if you asked a thousand people on the street who Herman Wook was, no, like I, maybe two people would know. So, right. what is the point of even chasing that if in three decades you're going to be completely forgotten? If Herman Wook or Wook, or however you pronounce it, was chasing fame. Yeah, that's a good point. Like he might have just. But he was been, famous, whether he was chasing it or not. In at the eighties, every housewife yeah. had those novels. Yeah, or whatever they are. Um, but Shelley Berman bitched and moaned his entire life that he had everything stolen from him, and one of his contemporaries was Lenny Bruce. Like so, he he performed with everybody. Yeah, but half, well, more than half, ninety percent of the people listening to us right now are like, "Who the f is Shelley Berman?" Yeah. And he was as big as you can get. At I one never time. heard of People that chick. Are He's like, is that uh, Berman's wife? <laughs> yeah. Back, 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 back. Left, 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 left. <laughs> A new Law and Order series is in the works. Thank God. It's called Law and Order Hate Crimes. Uh, this is just oh, not fun to watch. Aggressive. <sighs> it's inspired by the New York Cosby, oh. <laughs> the New York City Hate Crimes Task Force. The show comes from longtime NBC producer Dick Wolf. Doesn't he, isn't he bored with this stuff? Aren't there three Aren't, law and shouldn't orders? everyone be bored with this stuff at this point? <laughs> People the love law and order. The answer is no. People Pe- can't get enough of it. People, it is as comforting as a, a quilt to people. 
They, I guess so. It is crazy the Just way people love Lawnmower. Give them more episodes. That's yeah. all they people, really want. People over 60 love procedural crime dramas. Yeah. I have a theory that in my in law's house, the show Blue Bloods is playing at every single hour of the day. <laughs> you can walk in there at 2 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon, right after lunch or right after dinner. There's Tom Selleck sitting at a dinner table discussing today's crimes with his family in a wholesome way. <laughs> Mick Jagger. He, and by the way, Tom Selleck is the perfect person to be in that Absolutely. show. Absolutely. It's just perfect. Uh, Magnum P.I. was one of the all-time greatest shows. And I so guess they're good. bringing it back. But it's going to have like an updated flair to it. With hate crimes. It's just Magnum <laughs> PA colon hate crimes division. <laughs> it's just TC is just the getting mu- beat up all the, the time. The mustache is just going to get a little yeah. narrower uh-huh. right under the nose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Mick Jagger. Mac Jagger, it's uh, Mac Jagger. Uh, he's going on tour with Alan DeGeneres. <laughs> Mick Jigger. Mick <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's a funny like, just like a cover band name. Everybody, give it up for Mick Jigger. <laughs> Mick Jigger's what you got to do to the toilet when it's running. You got to jig- yeah. yeah. Mick Jigger the handle. Mick Jigger. Uh, <laughs> Mick Jagger is taking to Twitter to tease the upcoming possible release of new Rolling Stone songs. Jagger uploaded yesterday a video of him playing bluesy harmonica in the studio with the caption, Harmonica playing on new tunes. Well, it doesn't seem very... No, He's not great at Twitter. There's no subterfuge there. There doesn't seem to be any, nothing unclear about that. Uh, the post-fueled speculation, the band is in the studio working on its first album of original songs in 13 years. The group's latest album was 2016 Blues Covers uh, Collection, Blue and Lonesome. That was a pretty cool album. This album is all hate crime themed. <laughs> <laughs> Which is different. I don't know if it'll be a hit. It is. Uh, People want to hear that? Uh, U2 is back on stage. After being forced to cancel a concert in Berlin... When Bono completely lost his voice five songs into the show. Did you see that story? Oh, that's a bummer. That Imagine sucks. You're in a stadium and you're ready to rock out. And after the fifth song, he's like, I need a 10 minute break. And then he comes back you know and what? he's like, You guys sing the rest. <laughs> we can do this one of two ways. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band have no name. performed last night in Cologne, Germany. And by all accounts, Bono's voice was fine. They performed a 23 song set. He, I do marvel that Uno, he's able Jones. to do. As much as he has been. Him and Dave Grohl. And Dave Grohl, by the way, this week had to cancel the show because of his voice. So those two guys, I always wonder how they do it. Like all those screams like, they how, do. I was going to say, but, but like how do guys like James Hetfield, is it just genetics or do they have a different regimen? Because James Hetfield, I feel like, is probably putting a lot more like uh, strain. strain on it. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's like a combination of genetics and like developing the muscle to be and able to probably do it. has a lot to do with recovery too. Yeah, you can't do show after show after show after show after show. And I feel like Dave Grohl talks all day and then sings all night and then drinks coffee and booze, which are probably two not great things for your vocal cords. Yeah, you know, I think James Hetfield has some like weird like bourbon lemonade concoction or something like that that he chugs right before and afterward the prime the pump kind of thing there's this great scene in the george harrison documentary that 
uh, Martin Scorsese produced. It's on Netflix right now if you haven't seen it, but it's long. It's like two part. It's four, four yeah. hours, but it's when, really good though. When he's on tour for the second out for Dark Horse and Jim Keltner, who's the you know world famous drummer that was drumming for for George Harrison at the time, he's being interviewed currently talking about that tour, and they're showing George backstage doing the uh, vinegar honey. Uh, yeah, uh, hot tea mixture to coat his throat and everything, and he's having a tough time. Uh, and he lost his voice on this tour, and he just kept going. But every town he showed up in, his voice was shot. So he's like garbling his way through all of the songs. And Jim Keltner is like, "Look, the reviews weren't kind. They'd be like, he can't sing. His voice is crap. <laughs> but you know what? He tried pretty hard. All right. And you know what?" Some people like to hear him just uh, go out and do whatever he could. Just kind of cough his way through the songs. And he was, it was the most, it was like no forgiveness for George at all. Right. He was well, like, it's, it was like he was trying to make an excuse sound for him. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> That's what he said. It basically. also depends on the concert, like the, the audience of the concert, because like I've gone to like metal concerts before. Where the I remember the the lead singer of this one band kept stopping like in between songs. It was like I'm sorry guys, like my voice is all screwed up. Like I'm gonna see if I can get through this song. Every song he'd stop and just say, "Oh man, I, I'm gonna keep trying to power through this. My voice sounds terrible." And after a while, I was like, "Everyone here is drunk." If you didn't say that you were having a bad time, no one would have even known you're having a bad right. time, but you're broadcasting it. So just pump through it, Power and, and through no it. one will even know. Speaking of Metallica, they're giving fans a free show download of every concert they attend on their current worldwide North American tour. This is cool. Jam Band's been doing this for a long time. I think it's a good policy a lot of bands should should follow. The couch uh, tour thing? Well, no. If you go to a show, you get a Do download get a code. code. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fans are urged to hold on to their ticket stubs after the show so they can scan the barcode to get a copy of the concert, which is super fun. I mean, that it just really... Also, it helps you remember the concert in a big way. Well, uh, like, I know Pearl Jam, um, my wife's mother is in, like, their fan club, and she gets um, CDs from every one of their live shows. Every show you can buy the day after. It's crazy. Yeah. Many be that long now. They might have it ready, like, an hour or two after the show. In addition, the band is teasing the upcoming reissue box set of the 1988 album and Justice for All. So that's a pretty cool feature that Metallica is giving their fans. Uh, And uh, lastly, I don't know if you saw this, the woman who dipped her chicken tenders in Coca-Cola at the uh, uh, um, U.S. Open. You know how they do those shots of people in the crowd and whatever as they go to commercial or come back from commercial? Well, there's yeah. this woman with these two little kids, and they're all like at the food court eating or whatever. And this chick just like picked up chicken tenders and started like dipping them in her nephew's soda, splashing it around, and then eating it. Is that a thing? Alexa Greenfield was caught on camera at the U.S. Open doing that, and the video quickly spread all over the internet. Some people on Twitter joking she should be put in food jail. Well, Greenfield went on Fox 5 New York and said she dunks the tenders in soda to cool them off. She admits it's weird but enjoys the taste. Okay, I know this is a non-story, but this girl is smoking hot and has (laughs) an Instagram like account that is basically her mostly naked all the time. It this is going to launch a career is what I'm trying to say here. This woman show her like dunking mozzarella sticks and orange juice. <laughs> it's just all. <awesome. laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. She's hot. Just let her go. 
She's just performing one food atrocity after another. Doesn't matter. Super hot. Super hot. I got to see this. It is Steeler Wednesday. Uh, well, first of all, it is uh, Wednesday, so that means Mr. Wednesday is here, Jeff Conkle, and being Steeler Wednesday, Mike Pursuit will be in next. Uh, Coach Tomlin speaking with the media yesterday. That means the Tomlin translator later on today. Plus, we'll review hard knocks for you which I'm very excited about. And uh, we also have Merrill Hodge returning at 745 today in Double M. Mark Madden on the way, DVE. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuit has got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Coach, speaking to the media yesterday at the Steelers facility. And boy, was he in midseason Mike Tomlin form. Oh, boy. The translator, we uh, we almost broke it. You know, if you ask him what time it is, he's going to tell you how to build a watch. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, in full throat yesterday, but uh, some good news right off uh, the bat. Mike Tomlin uh, prepping everyone for Sunday's regular season opener in Cleveland. And uh, the Steelers, at least as they start the week's preparation in earnest, are relatively healthy. We should anticipate uh, all members of our team at least being partial participants as we get started this week. Uh, with practice and kind of let that be our guide in terms of their inclusion in the plan or the anticipation of play. Some of those guys that I'm talking about that have missed some time are are Vance McDonald and James Washington, Mike Hilton, um, T.J. Watt, uh, X-Man, Grimble. Um, We'll watch some of those guys and, and, and divide the labor up and, 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 and utilize their talents accordingly based on what we see as the week progresses have tj watt and and vance mcdonald even practiced watt has okay i was gonna say those guys have been hurt all camp and beyond mcdonald's been the strange one because uh they just said foot injury and they never really said what it was i forgot he's on the team yeah and he was <laughs> out the, the day after ramon foster got hurt which was the first practice in pads the third practice at camp mcdonald Got hurt the next day, as did Watt. And McDonald's been he's been hanging around. He's been on the field. He's been, you know, with the offense as they do the reps. He's been engaged as much as he can be without actually taking the reps. But he just hasn't done anything. Uh, don't know if that's all been preventive or what the deal is there. But uh, as you heard Mike Tomlin say, if you could follow through that 38 second sound bite, everybody should at least partially practice. There, I said it in three seconds. Next. We'll let their participation be our guide. That's one of my favorites. Why's everything got to be the Gettysburg Address? Well, he's practicing. <laughs> well, Mike, Mike, the Gettysburg Address was short. You're right. That's a bad analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Why does everything have to be a filibuster? There you go. Uh, I think he's practicing his uh, nonsense speak to uh, keep you guys, uh, you know, on your toes. Well, you had it going yesterday. Uh, by the way, I, the think s- I, I think I failed to mention sports. This hour is brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. He should sponsor a smoke machine. <laughs> like should, There should be the Tomlin smoke machine. Because he believes it's probably not that important, and it's the, all the bells and whistles. He's Dave and Bustering. <laughs> <laughs> that thing could be over in five minutes if it needs to be, is all I'm saying. Doesn't. It's a good TV show, though, Mike. You know, well, that's the, the whole first that's part of it. The problem is like uh, an adult book report on the other team. Yeah, 
where he just tells you how great they are at every position. I always skip right past that. Even the ones that didn't win a game last year, such as the Cleve Brownies. He always says, he reminds me of Paterno, who used to always, the week before, he'd be like, you know, Rutgers is a good football team. You know, they can, they can beat us. And we're, we're, not taking, we're taking them serious. They would be like 0-38. Lou Holtz was really good at that, too. Just talking about how great the next opponent was, and everybody knew they stunk. St. Mary's at the girls' school, but they're going to be tough. <laughs> I still think Notre Dame should put up a Lou Holtz statue, and the water should flow from yes. his mouth. It should, it should, it it should, should be drool and spray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike Tomlin, in his uh, expansive opening oratory, did not mention Le'Veon Bell, but of course, he was asked about Le'Veon Bell. Um, I hadn't thought about it. Uh, we'll see. Um, much like I've told you guys throughout this process. When he gets here, that's when we'll start quantifying all Le'Veon Bell-related things, um, his overall readiness, the amount of time that we have between his arrival and our next competition, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we'll weigh all of those things at the appropriate time. Right now, we're just singularly focused on the guys that are here and working and have been here and working and kind of building a plan around variables that we know. Uh, that's the appropriate thing. Now, here's the other reason Mike Tomlin takes as much crap as he does. He's asked about the all-pro running back in advance of the regular season opener, and he says, I hadn't thought of it. I hadn't it. thought of it. Who is really? that guy? Remind me again. Really? You really, you hadn't thought about it. Even if that's true, which there's no way it is, at some point, don't you have to say, you know what, I can't say this because this is just – I know this thing is what it is, and it's not 100% transparent and accurate, but this is too much – a load of gargonzola even for me. I hadn't thought about it. Do you think he's laying the base course for a full tilt no-show? I don't know what he's doing. Because that's, that's what it seems like to me. If you say, I hadn't thought about it, you're trying to really ram home the fact that we'll be fine without him. There were some Which even they know too, they won't. Sure. Okay, but so let's not, you know. A couple follow-ups that he didn't answer either. Basically, didn't he just say, like, oh, I haven't talked to him this week? Yeah. He did say this week. When's the last time he talked to him? Well, I haven't talked to him this week. Say. Well, and I think that that's really the largest. I guess the last time he thought about him was when he talked to him. Right. Unless he doesn't think about who he's talking to. Can't remember who Which that... he might not. He might just start talking. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the Mike Tomlin st- statue will never shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Like Jimmy Stewart up in Indiana, except it'll be constantly making noise. He uh, He is just trying to shut stuff down. I don't think he thinks he's getting away with anything. I think he is answering questions when it comes to stuff like this with the Lev Bell, with the, like no show, the touchy stuff. He is just trying to tell the press, I'm not talking about it. We're not talking about it. So he says stuff like, I hadn't thought about it. That's his way of saying, I'm not talking about it. Mm-hmm. Because we all know it's ridiculous. Everybody's response is, you're full of it. Yes. And I was surprised I that, that didn't get a big laugh yesterday when he said uh, that. Mid-season four. Just, you know, hey, when he gets here, we'll deal with it. He's not here yet. I don't know the answer to the question you asked me. I don't care, I though. Don't I don't know if he's going to be available. I don't know how much we'll use him. I mean, that's the biggest question from the media. That ha- He had to know that that was coming. Yeah. That's probably the biggest question from the fans, too, which means the media was probably on point in asking about that. Bro. Yeah. Gee, how are you going to deal with the Browns? Who look so good, even though they're one and thirty-one the last two years? They're are we going to maybe pick up Kajus if Vance doesn't get healthy? I hope not. That guy's an absolute disaster. Oh, God. 
He's terrible. Come on, bring him here. <laughs> Another classic line from Todd Haley last night. You better pray to your rock god. <laughs> and they're walking, yeah. and they're walking out of the field in Detroit. That show was great. I, it, I, I loved Hard Knocks this year. It was phenomenal. I thought it was maybe the best Hard Knocks ever. I stayed up to watch it last Me night. Me too. I wanted to see the how it ended. Uh, but one guy who didn't apparently was Cam Hayward. He was on uh, our show yesterday, and he said he has not been watching Hard Knocks, and uh, there's been a reason. You watch that, and you start to feel sorry for him. I don't want to feel sorry for him on Sunday. <laughs> you feel sorry for him. I, I, you I, do. By the way, you do feel sorry for him when you watch <laughs> it. I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't want, I don't want to be thinking about that. I want to go into the game thinking – I want to destroy every Cleveland Brown in the stadium, yeah. including the fans. <laughs> and, you know, for me to watch that and, you know, be eating popcorn or, you know, and watching that, uh, it's not going to get the job done. Uh, you know, knowing their stories and them saying, oh, we got to win one. Oh, we got to finally do this. No, that's not going to happen this time around. Yeah. Strong. Smart. Smart, because I, I do feel a little endeared to some of those guys. Like Kajust was easy to root for. That dummy fourth string quarterback kid, kind of root for him a little bit. Miles Garrett is a superstar. Boy, I love that guy. He might have got cut the fourth string quarterback, but he's he's doing okay. Oh, oh, his yeah. girlfriend? Yeah. Oh, I think she's total. I'm not a fan at all. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> That's why there's a I'm bunch not of, a fan. That's why at there's all. a bunch of teams with a bunch of schemes. <laughs> I know. Uh, Todd Haley, clearly to me, the star of Hard Knocks. He's going to be the next head coach, there's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, Hugh Jackson, if he lasts the season, I'll be amazed. He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. You know when Tommy Davidson used to make that funny face on In Living Color? The, that looks but, like Hugh Jackson to me all the time in meetings. Like, he doesn't know what's going on. The like, boxer that just got punched right in the face yeah. and went cross-eyed? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Well. Todd Haley may have been the star in our estimation, at least. But uh, Cam Hayward, again, even though he didn't watch the show, not impressed. And he's certainly not going to congratulate Todd Haley on uh, Sunday for how well he did in hard knocks. If he's screaming, uh, I-, I plan to let him have it. Uh, well, he's going to be you know, screaming, uh, right? I mean, that's what he does, right? Oh, that is that is tied to a T. So if it, if I make my way to the sideline, I'll, I'll, I'll let him uh, in on a couple things. You got to do like the, you got to do like the, the the mechanical bull move, like to just show him one of those, you know, like you're riding a, a rodeo horse. Well, I think if it's going to the sideline, I'm just going to aim for Todd and knock him over and just tell him to get up. Oh and no, you break his other him. hip, man! You're going to break his other hip. Yeah, I'm just glad he wasn't in Tequila Cowboy this time. So. Oh wow. That was awesome. God bless the Cam Hayward show here on DV. I like we it. didn't get a name for that yet either, right? Even though we're... Uh, Captain Cam? Carry on, my Hayward son. Yeah, carry on, my Hayward son. He, Captain's Corner? He's bristled at that quite a bit. What does he get to say? Camazon Prime. I like that. Mike, proceeded with your sports there on the DV morning show. Merrill Hodge will join us later on this morning, 745. Mark Madden will also... Uh, be stopping by the studios. He had a meltdown this weekend on Twitter. It'll be fun to talk to Mark today. Oh, yeah. Be uh, fun to poke the uh, proverbial bear a little bit. Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, hanging out with us this hour as the well. proverbial bear. And uh... <laughs> there's the grizzly bear, the polar bear, and the proverbial bear. That's right. Yeah. The proverbial bear is the one that you only have to run faster than the other person. <laughs> 
to get away from. <laughs> Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, Perrytown Draft House in Westview. $2 Bud Light, 20 ounce drafts during all Steeler games, Perrytown Draft House in Westview. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Bill Crawford. Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle is uh, with us. I don't have the Mr. Wednesday theme here. I was looking for it earlier, so my apologies. feels weird without it. It does, but uh, we'll have to carry on. Our Hayward son. Boner is dead. Boner is dead. We don't have the... <laughs> we don't have the Mr. Wednesday song. Boner is dead. And so Boner is dead. Boner Out of is context. Dead. Boner is dead. Just Boner is the, dead. One of the best. Boner is dead. Have you guys <laughs> gone at this cultured meat stuff yet? The Impossible Burgers? Now, I know they have some. Boner is dead. Down on the North Shore at, I think, Burgatory has them. Oh, people actually are stocking this stuff? This stuff is out now. And what it is, uh, it is beef that is made from the cells of animals, but not an actual animal. So they, it's basically like creating beef clones. <laughs> yeah. The, I- <laughs> <laughs> the worst Star Wars prequel ever. <laughs> Beef clones. Well, wasn't the idea that they, you know, people have been trying to chase like making a burger out of plants for so long, yes. and then they just can't dial it in. So finally, someone was just like, "Well, I'm just making it in a petri dish." <laughs> You're right. So what they've done, yeah, lab-grown meats. These are going to be increasingly big news uh, as they are starting to enter the marketplace now. Consumers are not totally down with it. You know. I understand why. It's I, all about the taste and the texture. If they can't nail that to the floor. See, I disagree. I think it's all about the name. I agree. There's a big discussion in this article because they were thinking, okay, is it going to be in vitro meats? And I was like, that's disgusting in sounding. Vitro. Alt meat. Well, I thought they said cultured meat. And to me, that just makes it seem like it's a little highfalutin, like it's very... Like it's British. Like, what do you say, old boy? What's your protein <laughs> per ounces? What do you? <laughs> Here's a couple of the names they were kicking around. Uh, alt meat was one of them. Which, I mean, it just sounds like it just has all black on <laughs> armbands. Goth meat. In vitro meat, as you pointed out earlier. Yeah. That sounds like it might be something that you get like that. Isn't that James, what, what's his name, does documentaries about? Yeah. <laughs> Say, isn't didn't Octomom try that before the? <laughs> I want my in vitro meat. I want my in vitro meat. Uh, artificial meat, not gonna work. You mm-hmm. can't just no. say it's artificial meat. We already know it is. That's just too. I don't know. It's too generic sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is the one that I thought was probably the worst of all of them. Clean meat. Yeah. Is but, it clean? I want to see it. Bring it over here. Is that meat, meat clean? But see, doesn't this this prove like the fact that the name of something has to contribute to its popularity? Like chicken nuggets are extremely popular. Nuggets. But if they were but if they were called poultry boogers, then they would not nearly be as popular. If avocados were called Hulk balls, no one would be buying them. <laughs> well, like uh, Lacroix, the right. soda. It has like an air of 
uh, I don't know, respectability it's to French. it, uh, sophistication. Yes. I don't know what it is. But if you, if it was just Fanta bubbles, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people wouldn't uh, dig it. Uh, the clean eating craze, of course, is driving this. The Good Food Institute, a nonprofit that promotes alternatives to animal products, favors the term clean meat. Because they say that language evokes a positive image with consumers and may increase its acceptance. No way, dude. It's got to be like, you, first of all, you should just get a celebrity to endorse the whole idea. Right. Like, you need to get a Kardashian on board or something like that. Ray Liotta. <laughs> like Ray Liotta. Yeah, just eating it. I don't smoke no more, and now I'm eating clean meats. <laughs> but see, what did it, it, it said, not, like, would you guys try that? I would, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I've would talked try to people it. that have eaten the Impossible Burger. Uh, I think again, it's at Burgatory, and they say it's really good. But see, that article made <laughs> it seem like like over the 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 majority of people wouldn't even try it. Uh, right, and part of the reason is is just the acceptance of something outside of the normal eating behavior. It takes time for these kind of things to catch on. Well, they broke on. it down by age, too, and they said that, that you know younger people were, were more willing to try this stuff, and I have to agree with them. Like, my eating habits in college, like, everyone... It didn't matter. If you were drunk enough, you'd eat it. I one time... My buddy <laughs> was... We got, we got a slice of pizza, and we're walking back to our, our, uh, our apartment, and he dropped the pizza... On the ground, on the sidewalk, outside of a frat house, didn't realize it for like six steps, and then just went back and got the pizza, put it back in the plate, and ate it. So, <laughs> I think the Impossible Burger can fly. Right. If, you're, if, if you got enough natty light in you, then you can make anything work. Also, like, do you remember, I remember being younger and hearing people, like, talking about veggie patties and thinking that was the grossest, uh, they, dumbest they sounding thing ever, and now it's like... We have black bean burgers at the house, and they're pretty good. Yeah. The uh, the split is not only by age. Income plays a big role in it. Households earning over $75,000 a year were twice as likely to say they'd put, purchase cultured meat compared to those in households earning less than $25,000 a year. And the split was 47% to 26%. That's significant. The more people earn, the more likely they are to switch from being undecided about cultured meat to being willing to give it a try. Probably because it'll end up being expensive, number yeah, one. Yeah, that's for sure. But the proportion who said they were unlikely to try cultured meat didn't vary that much uh, at all as income rose past that point. Cultured meat is meat that's been through college. <laughs> a more striking difference, age, as Jeff said. So my dad is never trying anything new. It's not happening. Like, we tried to take him to a Mexican restaurant one time. He goes, I hate Mexican food. And then we all kind of looked at each other like, when's the last time you had Mexican food? He's like, never. <laughs> I swore I never would, and I've lived up to that promise. I just I'll know never I forgive them it. for the Alamo. <laughs> they killed Davy Crockett. Guys are more likely than women to do it. And uh, that doesn't surprise me either did you see in the article that there's also uh, I, I learned that there's an american academy for meat science i thought that's an interesting academy mm. what kind of revolting conversations go on at the academy of meat science like <laughs> hey bob did you get that rat burger patented no the fda wouldn't let us through we're working on a, a an earthworm gel paste that we can sell to marathon runners <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know uh, what kind of meat they're using at the ballpark these days. 
because there's usually like a bunch of different types of meats on meats that you can get there. But with only 8,000 people paid last night, someone tweeted this to me. It's time to bring back this meat, the bucko taco meat. Yeah, bring it back. Bucko taco. We need some bucko taco meat. Have you had a bucko taco? Talk about cultured meat. Dude, that is some cultured meat. Bucko taco dance. (laughs) Swing. Batter up. All right, Jeff Conkle uh, hanging out with us there. Bucko taco. Uh, Somebody else tweeted and said the Impossible Burger downtown is all plant-based, not animal-based cells. So, again, they're taking the nomenclature from the animal cell people and using it for that one. Everyone's biting off each other. So, yeah, all right, that makes a little bit more sense because when I read this article, it's like, oh, it's coming. And I'm like, isn't it here? The Impossible Burger is here. Well. Pierogi, flighted butter, taco. All right. (laughs) It's not here, so you can't. It's almost here. Uh, Jeff, what do you got coming up? Uh, I'm going to be at the Apis Mediary tonight in Carnegie. It's newly renovated. They're in a big, huge space. We're doing the uh, uh, the sort of the crowd work show where a bunch of uh, local comedians basically go up there, and you're supposed to not do stand-up. You're supposed to just stand there and talk. So it usually actually is a really, really fun it's, time. It's a fun show. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Uh, we'll check that out. Uh, coming up a little bit later on this morning, Mark Madden will be joining us. Merrill Hodge returns. Did you see Pat McAfee's story yesterday about how he quit football? Why he quit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is one of a kind, man. We'll talk a little bit about that. Hopefully getting Pat on the show this year. We've got a full slate for you this year of the guests that you become accustomed to and that you want here on uh, uh, Steeler Weeks and uh, brand new ones, including Missy Matthews is joining us this year. Love Missy. Guys from uh, Pardon My Take are going to be joining us this year. Hilarious. Big which I'm excited about. Pretty sure Pat's going to be joining us, too. That's kind of going back and forth, and I hope hope that ends up happening because I, I like Did Pat a whole lot. Did you hear why he quit Barstool? <laughs> Did you hear why he quit the TV morning show? <laughs> uh, and uh, also, Gene Sterator, who we had on the show yesterday, who was great. And, and, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That was a great segment. Longtime NFL uh, referee, yeah. and he'll be on each week because we figured there's going to be something. Timely. Every week, that's a total mm-hmm. cluster bleep in the NFL. So, who better to have on to discuss that than Gene Steratour? So, that'll be coming up uh, every week for you as well. Here, as we get you ready for Steelers Sunday, Week One, Steelers Brown. Doesn't matter for Lev; he can't do any damage control in the eyes of Steelers fans. His, if he acted like Heath Miller, and then this was going down, he might have a, a leg to stand on with the fans, but. The fact that he's been rapping about how much money he wants, Heath's a bad example because there's... Yeah, that's as soon as you said that the first thing that went in my mind is a Heath Miller rap album, and I'm just <laughs> having a hard time picturing that right now. He's it's, hanging out with Wiz. Or, the most milk toast album ever. It's just silent with him thanking people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the humblest rapper ever to do it. Just want to thank my mom and dad. Yo, I couldn't be this great without a lot of people around me supporting me. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Well, I tell you what, Lev Bell uh, is still nowhere to be found. Coach Tomlin hasn't spoken with him. Says he's not even thinking about him. That must be nice. We are, Coach. 
We'll talk with Merrill Hodge coming We're up thinking at about him. 745. Also, Mark Madden in the 9 o'clock hour. Val is off for today only. She'll be back tomorrow. But Gabriella DeLuca from Channel 11 is here filling in with news. Thank you so much for coming in today. I am so happy to be here this morning. I'm a little tired. but you, You're a veteran now, through. though. You oh, yeah. did it one time. Mm-hmm. Second time around. And now you're like, yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> I can, I'm dressing like a schlub I for know, these I, guys. I no, you look great. Don't no, get me wrong. The first time I looked a lot nicer. I had my hair done. You I did. contacts in. <laughs> I, yeah. I love the more, uh, radio morning show wardrobe. You I really got it do. down, yeah. Just roll out of bed and yeah. come on in. Yeah. We're like the schlubs. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I don't need to impress these morons. <laughs> you guys actually look nicer than I do, though. Like, you've collared shirts on. I'm in yoga <laughs> pants, so. Yeah, but sometimes that's I have just yoga a, pants on. You can't yeah. see. <laughs> They're just comfortable. Yeah, they are they just are. comfortable. Sometimes it's a it's a function of laundry. There are days where I'll come in and I'll be like, it'll look like I'm really dressed up. And if somebody <laughs> asks, like, oh, you got a thing after this? I'll just be like, that's the only uh, two uh, clean things I have. Yeah, I thought right about now. lying and saying I was going to the gym, but I'm not. That's yeah. always a good move. Yeah. Do you guys have the same problem that I have? Like, I have a lot of clothes and wear maybe less than a third yeah. of yes, them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And like, I'm like, I, I, it's not that I hate the other clothes. It's just I can't. Yeah. Every weekend, it's like the same shirt, different pair of jeans. Right. Maybe. Yeah. I can't help it. They're, I have my favorites. And if anything ever like makes its way into that group, like I feel like bad for the one that's getting pushed out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get attached. And I want to bring it back. The thing that stinks is I got attached to a couple short sleeve ones, and now it's going to start getting cold. Mm-hmm. I'm going down with the ship, though. Short sleeves until October. <laughs> Just throw care. a thermal one underneath it. Oh, dude, that's a look I can't. I can't. You you can't pull I that can't off. Rock that. No. Why not? Unless it's the old school like long underwear thermal, like the yeah yeah the tight the tight to the body. The white one. ones that have like the little the grid. Waffle. Yeah. yeah yeah, those are fun. Yeah, it looks like you're gonna go fight somebody at three o'clock after school <laughs> when you wear those. <laughs> it does. What do you got going on over there, Gabriella? Okay, so first we're talking about marijuana. Americans mm-hmm. have Thank a more God. positive view of marijuana than was thought. That is according to a survey conducted by researchers at the University of California, San Francisco. They have revealed that Americans have a much more favorable view of marijuana than what was previously understood. Out of over 16,000 participants, around 81% reported they believe marijuana has at least one benefit. According to the researchers, the aggressive commercialization of marijuana likely influences the public's opinion of the drug. While the marketing of tobacco and alcohol is heavily regulated, the promotion of marijuana products is not, which makes it important to understand the public's perception of marijuana. So I want to get to this part right here. (laughs) They say... The most common advantage of marijuana use was that it was agreed upon was pain management, followed by treatment of diseases like epilepsy, multiple sclerosis. The survey respondents also reported they felt marijuana was capable of providing relief from anxiety, stress, and depression. Yeah. Thoughts? Uh, it makes movies better, too. Yeah. But here's the thing. that like it, does, it cures so many things or alleviates so many symptoms from different illnesses. It, it's no wonder it's in the best in- interest of the pharmaceutical company to demonize this for so long. Sure. You know, everybody I know is every- taking CBD oils. And don't you think that now, like, that, that those companies recognize that this is an inevitability, that they're starting to get on board and throw their money behind it? I feel like it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Well, you know who bought up a ton of land in uh, California when the legalization, uh, not craze, but when it first started happening out there was- Philip Morris? Yeah, RJR. You know, they went from cigarettes to, well, we're going to start growing weed. And they like (laughs) 
bought up all of this land. Better find a way to start putting carcinogens in their weed. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but it's crazy. When I was just in uh, in California, and it's just a way of life there. It's a completely different thing that everybody in Pennsylvania is basically saying, hurry up, let's get this tax revenue here. Wasn't there a dispensary just opened just somewhere close? I think. Uniontown actually. or something? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. I think yeah. it was Uniontown. But you have to like a card to even get in, like a, you know, to say that you're eligible yeah. or prescribed, I guess. But I think you have to, I'm not sure what the, I always confuse this, so I don't want to get it wrong, but I always confuse what the eligibility uh, uh, requirements are for that in Pennsylvania, because I thought they were more rigorous than elsewhere. Like in California, back before it was recreationally legal, you could walk down Venice Beach and there was like a guy in dreadlocks like, hey man, you need a prescription, you know, right. and you'd walk in and the guy like, would yeah, like. Yeah, my neck is kind of <laughs> sore. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you could Here's do Here's your that. weed card. Yeah, you can't do that here, but. I don't know. The amount of tax revenue alone, it's basically like the new gambling, right? Where we demonized it as a vice for so long and then... Yeah. Although, it's not maybe an apt parallel because there's nothing good from gambling. Yeah. No. Like, it isn't like, well, gambling can be addictive, but, you know, it really <laughs> clears up my bursitis. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's horrible for your pocketbook. Don't, don't you know a lot of people who take CBD oils now? Yeah, yeah. I do. It's like yeah. de rigueur. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. Is that what Derriger means? I don't think so. I think I, I can't remember. I, I don't thought know. that was a guy who was in our uh, minor leagues <laughs> in the baby pets. It might be only Derrigers. By the way, this year. Another aside. Uh, speaking of the Pirates, eight thousand people paid last night. Smallest crowd of the year. Eight thousand. Yikes. It was pretty hot. That makes me sad. It was hot yeah. yesterday. Jump around the other side of that microphone. It'll work better. Oh, is this better? There you go. Okay, sorry. That's so much better. It looks like every part of that microphone will work. I thought but it, it did. But it doesn't, only it's where the screen is. I'm used to like our TV microphones. Yes. Now, we have re- these are microphones. We can only dumbness. pay for half of the microphone to work. <laughs> We're sorry. That's sorry. Right. You might be able to hear me better now. All right. What's next? Okay. Do cops really give more tickets at the end of the month? Do you guys think that? Yeah, to meet their quota. Well, that's according to this study. Drive carefully because cops are really hoping that they catch you doing 36 and a 35, like the hardened criminal that you are (laughs) at the end of the month. According to a new study, cops really do give more tickets out toward the end of the month, most likely to hit their quotas. Here are the top five days in an average month when cops issue the most (laughs) tickets. The 31st, the 30th, the 1st, the 28th, and the 29th. The most common tickets they give out are speeding tickets and license or registration violations. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, movies had me conditioned to think I could get out of any of those things by buying tickets yes. to a policeman's ball. <laughs> and those are, it doesn't exist. I'm always scared to go to the policeman's ball, though, because I believe that one of the villains will break in. Like Bane will come up. <laughs> yeah. Like in from the, the basement. Right. I, I mean, anytime I've gotten a ticket, though, I was speeding. You know? I mean, I yeah. was breaking. You were guilty. Yeah, did did, did you ever guilty. get pulled over and the guy's like, I'll do you a favor. You'll get no points on this, but you got to pay this fine. Yes. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I mean, I've just gotten like a warning once. A warning once. And that was, you know, about it. That was nice. Yeah. I remember I did a gig. It was at like a pizza shop in Carlisle. This is when things were going great for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I got a speeding ticket. That was more than the money that I was about to make in Carlisle. <laughs> That's a bad so, like, feeling. before I even got there, You're in the I, was in the, I was in the hole. That's when you have to put out the tip jar. Like, I know I'm getting paid, 
But this is a losing proposition. <laughs> and then for the me. worst thing about it was that I I did get a point or two on my license, and then I had to drive all the way out to wherever the hell to show up for the the court thing. You could because uh, yeah, you pled not guilty. Because uh, can't you just remember. sign the ticket? And- no, I don't think you could. Like you, I had to show up for something. You must have been going like thirty miles over the speed limit. Uh, maybe I was a little late. <laughs> yeah. Didn't realize Carlisle was three and a half hours away. It's far. Yeah. Okay. So if you hate vegetables, here's the only one you need to eat. Any guesses? First, broccoli. Yeah, that's my guess. Okay, you guys got. It. Did you see this beforehand? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, a doctor in the BBC in England recently suggested that if you only eat one vegetable, it should be broccoli. It's largely because it promotes healthy gut bacteria, which helps your immune system, and healthy gut bacteria has even been linked to lower risk of mental health issues. Broccoli is a cruciferous vegetable. It's in the same Mm -hmm. family as kale, cauliflower, and Brussels sprouts, and those types of vegetables have also been linked to lower rates of cancer, especially colon cancer and lung cancer. I eat broccoli a lot. Yeah, so do I. Only because so I figured it looks like it's a broom. It looks like it's something that will go through <laughs> your 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 intestines just like chimney sweeping. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It looks like a tree. Like yeah. a nice little... A uh, turn it upside down, though. It's just... Whoosh, it looks like yeah. a... Yeah, I guess like you turn it upside down. Roomba. Yeah, right. that's right. It's a car... Like a, it's like a car wash. A gut loofah. <laughs> Something is what it is. Yeah, I love broccoli. Broccoli's and, an all right one. I can do Brussels sprouts I if they Brussels have like sprouts. good stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Like they have to be cooked just right, though. You gotta get them crispy, otherwise they have that like bitter kind of taste to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom makes them with like pancetta. Yeah, dude, it's, it's really good. Get the meat. I don't, in I don't there. know if that's healthy though no. anymore. <laughs> no, once you're putting bacon in there, it's not so much. But well, still, the, it's uh, delicious that way. Uh, what is it? The, what's the the burger joint downtown that we love to go to? Uh, you're thinking of Butcher, Butcher and the Rye? Yeah. Has, oh, I love. They have. Rye. They have. Uh, oh my God! They're deep fried. Um, um, Brussels sprouts. But once you deep they're fry so and you kind of take yeah. a little. What is a, that? That glaze that you drag it all through. Butter. Oh. <laughs> Turns out I'm a big fan of butter. Aren't we all though? <laughs> yeah, but any vegetable is good if you put no, like what tons is that? of stuff. It's, it's like a balsamic it's not like glaze? hummus, but it's oh, like no, okay. I have no idea. It's so good. I don't know. It's good. It's like crack. Yeah. We want to know. Somebody's uh, alarm going off. No. Is that outside? Is there a fire alarm? Am I the only one hearing hear, that? Uh, no, I hear that. I hear it. All right. Do you Let's have just... a life alert? I don't. Maybe somebody's fallen and can't get up. <laughs> do you hear that out there? Like, like just I, make I sure that the it. building's not burning down before uh, we continue on any further. Covered a water main break out here once. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was a big one. Yeah, that was crazy. I saw that on the news. <laughs> And then I looked outside and saw it out the window. Riveting. What, right. what do we so have next? Okay, so we're talking about cheeseburgers, keeping on the food theme. Could eating more cheeseburgers make guys have healthier kids? A new study in England found that having a protein deficiency can mess with a guy's, quote, baby-making material. Whoa. And if they don't get enough protein while trying to conceive, it can neg- negatively affect their kid's health. Researchers found that when male mice don't have enough protein in their diet, their offspring were more likely to end up overweight and show signs of pre-diabetes. There's one important side note to this, though. It turns out it's somewhat uncommon for guys in the U.S. to have a protein deficiency because we eat so much meat and cheese (laughs) in general. Yeah, so much. Yeah. And when we're not eating meat, we're drinking muscle milk. Muscle milk. Just 
Protein shakes. I, I Protein overload. I do worry that one day I'm just going to turn into one big kidney stone or something <laughs> from, from relying yeah. on, on the uh, on-the-go protein right. shake to get me through and a meal. And the protein bars, like I grab them at the gas station all the time when I just need something to be full. Yep. Right. I put them in my car. Right. Like, well, here's my, if I'm stuck in traffic and I'm uh, getting hangry, emergency, and then I end up eating them just for fun anyways. And right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like oh, I'll, you do I'll, that too? Yeah. Like I'll eat that and that's supposed to be the meal replacement and then I'll eat my meal after Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. I deserve it. Then you'll <laughs> rationalize why, you know, why you're doing it. Exactly. I'm so dumb that I like, I know that I have to give myself multiple points where like, oh, I'll throw some stuff in my bag because I always forget stuff there and then I'll have some stuff in my car and then I'll have some stuff at the gym and then I'll have some stuff in my gym bag. Constantly snacking. I get it. It's my problem. You are a snacker, dude. You always got food going. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. Not a bad thing. No. I'm a grazer. Yeah, but yeah. You, as long as you can try to like trick your brain into like grazing with the healthy stuff, then you got a little right. bit of a fighting chance. You it's do it's hard to graze almonds, man. Flays, flavorless <laughs> yes. almonds. Mm. Yes. But if you get Giant Eagle has the uh, they they roast almonds and don't put salt on them. So there's unsalted roasted ones. Those are pretty good. It just it does nothing. I know me. it does nothing, but at least you can you can trick yourself a little bit. It's yeah. like that the the meat we were talking about earlier, the Impossible Burgers, which are made out of faux meat. Faux meat, yeah. Are they good? Well, the one the ones at Burgatory people really like, but I guess those are made from protein or from plant cells. But now the animal cell ones are being pushed out there, where they're basically making meat clones. Meat clones. Which yeah, is, yeah. The worst Star Wars prequel. <laughs> no doubt about it. Attack of the meat clones. Let's take a look at weather. It's brought to you by Bridgeville Appliances. Okay. News this hour was brought to you by Mattress Firm. Gabriella DeLuca from Channel 11 filling in for Val Porter with your news. Thank you so much. For Thank you for having me. This morning. Steelers getting set for the Browns. Hard knocks last night. We'll have a review of last night's hard knocks. Oh, Kajus. Kajus. Oh, Kajus. He, he had like four penalties or something like that. He'll in the be okay. Last preseason game. I don't know. Not sure. But how good are the Browns? We're about to find out. <laughs> This Sunday, Steelers, they got to be better than they've been. I mean, you would think they'd have to be. Coach Tomlin speaking with the media yesterday. We're going to have the Tomlin translator a little bit later on this morning. That's where we take his answers to the press conference questions, and we uh, we pull the real meaning out of them using a an app that was developed at Carnegie Mellon <laughs> by a bunch of geeks over there. So that'll be uh, after eight o'clock. The return of Merrill Hodge this morning. His 27th or 28th year? God, it's, it might even be more than that. It might be close to 30. I think we might be on the 30th year That's for Merrill Hodge. crazy. Mark Madden in the 9 o'clock hour as well. Don't forget your Bud Light game day bar of the week is Perrytown Draft House in Westview. $2 Bud Light, 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games. Perrytown Drafts, Draft House in Westview. That's your Bud Light game day bar of the week. Steelers. And the Browns, Coach Tomlin yesterday saying he's not even thinking about Le'Veon Bell. Haven't thought about it. Who's he? How about Terry Bradshaw teed off on Coach Tomlin again? Did I'm you see this? I'm starting to feel like he doesn't like Tomlin. He was uh, promoting a new book on a radio station in San Diego, and Terry Bradshaw said, I played for a tough sucker. I was afraid of him. And we played our ass off for him because we feared him. I don't see that with this guy. He's chest bumping and all that. I'm the head of a corporation. I'm the CEO. I'm the chairman of the board. I'm talking to the stockholders and telling them, here's how we're going to do it at the end of the quarter. I'm selling this thing. I'm not delivering the goods, which is championships. 
You got to face the criticism. I'm sorry, but he's not my kind of coach. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Meanwhile, he has so many daddy issues because of Chuck Knoll. Oh, it's unbelievable. Like, not because of, but they were reflected in Chuck Knoll. I, I mean, think. yeah. Just visions of him getting yanked around by his face mask. He was super pissed about losing to Jacksonville last year. I care how Jacksonville played New England in the championship. 45-42. Are you kidding me? He hates Mike Tomlin. Hates. And like, he apologized at one point last year. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry about all the stuff. Yeah, I was he called him a cheerleader he last did. year. Yeah. He is no fan. Coach Tomlin yesterday probably did not comport himself in a way that Terry would have uh, liked. He kind of frustrated some of the media with the non-answers concerning Le'Veon Bell. But what's he going to say? It's all I can think about. I'm obsessing over it. I haven't talked to him this week would have been a, a good one. He did say that. Yeah, when pressed. But to say initially that you hadn't thought about it well, is disingenuous at best. Mike Prasuda was there yesterday. A review of yesterday's Coach Tomlin press conference coming up as we get ready for Steelers football this Sunday. Steelers, Browns, all of the action starting right here at 9 a.m. on your radio home of the Steelers for the 1 o'clock kickoff. Steelers, Browns here on DVE. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuit has got your sports right now on the DVE morning show and uh, the soap opera sort of bleeding over from 2017 for the Pittsburgh Steelers with Levy on Bell at least that saga continues. Yeah, everybody wonders when he's going to show up and the Steelers are trying to proceed the the cliched answer with the people that are here. Adam Schefter retweeted uh a tweet from Ross Tucker, former NFL player who's uh does a radio show now. Uh and he said basically it would be smart of Levy on Bell to not show up until Friday or Saturday from a business perspective, because then the Steelers wouldn't play him on Sunday still, uh, but he'd still get his $855,000. Not necessarily. They don't have to pay him when he's on uh, exemption. Really? That's their choice. Yeah, I love all these people that are talking about what's smart and what isn't with $850,000 of somebody else's money. Really, where do these people get off? I don't. I don't know. The dude is doing. He's a former NFL player who has yeah. a radio show, so he gets off right there. Okay. I just, you know, I mean, he, I'm all for people having opinions, but it it would not be smart if he showed up on Friday and didn't play and didn't get paid. Then he's pissed away eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, and I think his point was he was trying to say, "Hey, I'm there's not a loophole." Carl Nassib. I'm not an economics major, but right. that would seem to be a poor decision to me. Is he an economics major? Seem to come off as one. Well, if you, you take ten percent of eight hundred and fifty thousand, <laughs> and don't go on Facebook, Todd Haley still think you have a stupid name. Well, Carl, I'm not sure exactly what's going to go on with Levy on Bell here, but it's seeming like the possibility of him not playing this Sunday is now inevitable. And I wouldn't go that far. I know, but to me it seems that way. And I'm wondering if he might not be planning some sort of prolonged holdout thinking, who cares if I give up $3 million? I'm going to make $30 million more, and I'm right. just going to save my wheels. He might be thinking that. Or he might show up today, Yeah, and then they start giving him the ball, and they remember who he is and why they wanted to pay him as much as they wanted to pay him in the first place. How quick? And they think, boy, would it be stupid not to give this guy the ball in a game that counts? Do you think that was it week three, week four last season that fans 
kind of just forgot all about the the holdout and everything because right now yeah, it feels it was, like whatever week we played Baltimore and he ran four, for 144 week four yards was the game where he really went off against the Ravens and they haven't exactly won with regularity in Baltimore hasn't been impossible but that's a tough mm-hmm. game yeah, he and scored a pair of touchdowns they in won that game, it early I and I think correctly. that's yeah if he's if he's doing stuff that helps them win then I think people are going to forget pretty quickly but I think every drop pass, every fourth and one he doesn't convert, he'll probably get booed at home, at least early in the season. For sure. Oh, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Coach Tomlin was not... I don't think he cares, but... Oh, he doesn't care. Yeah. He's already moved on. He can't understand why he's been villainized or vilified here. For what villain he's done, he's been villain away. <laughs> he's been villain over over and over. <laughs> but he constantly talks about it, like, man, all I'm trying to do is, you know, shake my head. Can't understand why these people got to paint me in this light. It's remarkable to me that this guy can be this important to the team, and the entire town hates him. <laughs> yeah, I think social media is a factor, though, don't you? Because yes. he's been so careless. He has had more chances to be careless than guys in different eras. Mm-hmm. Who probably thought the same way. Oh, we've, th- there's no doubt. I don't think he's unique in that yeah. regard. But the way he's handled it. Too much information sometimes. Yes. No, thre- no threat of that uh, taking place yesterday at, at the Mike Tomlin press conference. Too much conference. information. <laughs> but uh, one of the interesting angles to this game, uh, at least from my perspective, Todd Haley's the offensive coordinator in Cleveland. He's been replaced here in Pittsburgh by Randy Feekner, who has never been an offensive coordinator in the NFL, and so the Browns do not have a book on how Randy Feekner likes to call a game, what his tendencies are, what you know, what does he do in, in uh, right. red zone, what does he do on third and short. Uh, there's, there's no track record, and Mike Tomlin thinks that that's uh, an advantage the Steelers can exploit. As well. Certainly, um, and, and one that we intend to. Um, I, I think sometimes... There's, you know, there's challenges that come with transition. There's also benefits or unintended consequences and in, in not being able to anticipate his rhythms, his nuances, or the things that he holds near and dear is, is part of the advantage of the transition. Now, conversely, Todd Haley was here for six years as uh, the offensive coordinator under Mike Tomlin. Uh, the Steelers know Haley well. Haley knows the Steelers well. Is, this is my favorite interaction you guys had. Is there a perceived advantage there? You could play that he knows that I know that he knows that I know game. <laughs> Hopefully he plays it all week, man. I'm just going to get ready to play a football game. You know that I know that you know that I know. I saw you seeing me, and I don't know if you saw me seeing you seeing me. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility here, and this is probably unlikely, but I'm not ruling it out. If uh, anybody remembers that Cleveland-Philly game, which was a national TV game, Fox game, uh, the third preseason game, people might have seen that. Vaguely. The Browns got to the one-yard line, and Haley threw it four times. Yeah. Was he doing that because he was trying to score a touchdown against the Eagles in the third preseason game? Or or did he want the Steelers to uh, take notice? And not see the sneak coming? Like what, he's willing to do a QB sneak with Tarod? Don't know. You don't know the motivation sometime in the preseason. Uh, Mike Tomlin did in a more serious uh, or a more analytical vein uh, talk about Todd Haley. He's probably being a coach who's going to do what he thinks, Todd Haley thinks, the Browns are capable of doing 
as opposed to what Todd Haley likes to do? Uh, that's always an element of the equation. Um, you know, if you got red paint, you paint your barn red. You know, we use that analogy in coaching a lot. Um, I'm sure Todd is going to work to paint his barn whatever color the paint it is that he has. Uh, that's the challenge that we all have as coaches continually, uh, not only in the course of seasons, but week in and week out. Um, that's just the nature of this thing. Now, what they should have offensively, uh, at least what it looks like on paper, um, they brought in Jarvis Landry, who's a great possession receiver, led the league in catches last year. Doesn't average a whole lot per catch, but mm-hmm. he, he catches the ball. Uh, Josh Gordon, who Mike Tomlin talked about yesterday in terms of not knowing where he is, uh, how much he can be involved, how effective he will be because of his kind of disjointed offseason. But a guy with a great track record as a down-the-field big play guy. Uh, Gordon and Landry should complement each other well at wide receiver. David Njoko at tight end was uh, an early entry last year as a first-rounder who had a decent year. He's a stud. He led him in touchdowns. Only had four, but he led them in receiving TDs. He looks like that prototypical new wave offensive tight end. Not necessarily a blocker, but a a guy who can catch the ball, make you miss in space, athletic, big guy that can move. And they've got uh, the running back uh, tandem with uh, Carlos Hyde Mm -hmm. and Nick Chubb, who they drafted on the second round out of Florida. Those guys are both big backs who will pound you, but they can also get outside. Uh, that's their track record, at least. So they're going to be hard to tackle. That duo, uh, Hyde and Chubb, <laughs> did that a lot growing up. It's two Bs in Chubb, by the way. Oh, oh. oh. Yeah, that well, then that look, makes it oh, totally uh, uh, Now you sound stupid, Bill. Yeah. Sorry. They look like they have some pieces in place. And they brought yeah. in Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod. Well, he said just go ahead and keep calling him Tyrod because he doesn't want to deal with that okay, all Okay, I will. Um, they want him just to not screw up. Don't turn the ball over. Don't put the defense in bad situations. Uh, his track record has been good game management, and if you can run the ball and he can work play action, or if he can get outside on the edges, he can throw short controlled passes and be very effective doing that. If they get If they keep him in the pocket – and can pressure up the middle. He's not a guy who should pick them apart. Uh, he's, he's a dink and dunk kind of guy. He's not here. a surgeon that's going to, you know, throw it into a tight window. And that, that's not how he does it. But what about uh, defensively, Mike, uh, for the Browns? Do they have anything that can match up with Antonio Brown, with what Ben Roethlisberger might be able to do with Juju and. Uh, even this, who knows? You know, James Washington might be. Even, I'm not sure what his health status is, but yeah, how they match up, I, I'm not sure. I know they're probably hanging their hat on Miles Garrett being in his second year, and he was actually very good last year. He just had injuries, right, and didn't play the whole season. But he looks like a monster. Boy, he's, is he an impressive guy too? He's had a great preseason. He's big made, Al has got a big made task. big plays. <laughs> uh, they're two uh, two linebackers. We've, we've talked a lot over the years about Jamie Collins, who's one of their backers. He's coming off a knee injury. He missed 10 games last year. Uh, but the other two guys, Kirksey and Schobert, are really good. Nobody talks about them, but they, they go all over the field. They're good tacklers. Uh, it's a very strong duo. And then the change in the secondary, they moved uh, Jabril Peppers from free safety to strong safety. Uh, the guy they drafted on the first round out of uh, Michigan last year. They want to get him more closer to the action. 
And uh, Demarius Randall is the free safety. That's the guy that they got from Green Bay for Deshaun Kaiser. So the secondary is in a state of flux, kind of the way the Steelers is. Uh, they're counting on huge things from Garrett, and they're probably right about that. And, for sure. And it's a good linebacking core. Even though Jamie Collins isn't what he used to be, but he, he can still rush and he can still catch the ball if you throw it to him. And Villanueva's got a, uh, a lot on his plate this Sunday. I think he's going to need some help. Me too. And that's nothing against Villanueva. That's just this well, kid it was a first overall pick for a reason last year. The reason is he's very, very good. And he writes poetry. <laughs> Speaking of he Christian does. Kirksey, you guys, we all yeah. followed Hard Knocks and remember the episode where he asked his teammates, what's your why? Why do you play the game? Write it down so it's the last thing you see at night and the first thing you see in the morning. That uh, was a, an intriguing question to me, so uh, I asked some of the Steelers, what's your why? Oh, I like this. Here's uh, David DeCastro's answer. Why do I play football? I think it's a challenge. I think it's because it's, it's, it's tough. It's not easy. Gives you gives you a little purpose in life, you know what I mean. You feel accomplished when you're done, and it sucks to lose. So you're always fight, you always have something to fight against. And it's, this league is never you're never satisfied. You never get complacent, so it makes it even harder. Asked uh, Jordan Dangerfield the same question. I love the game, you know. I, I've been playing since I was seven years old, and I had a dream, you know. So I mean, that's why I played. I love it. It's, it's fun. Once you get between the white lines, you figure about everything, and it's all football. I even asked Le'Veon Bell that question. So I can make a zillion dollars and set the market at running back and be a rap star. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one thing about watching that Hard Knocks that actually season. What he said. No, I, I thought you were just going to play crickets. <laughs> but the one thing about that Hard Knocks uh, season here in Cleveland was it. it is so impressive. That guy was really impressive. Uh, you know, with what's your why? Yes, Christian Kirksey's a very underrated player. Schobert played with... Uh, T.J. Watt one year at Wisconsin. Okay, so they're he, they're similarly trained players. But even though it's the Browns, and there was a lot that was really slappy about what was going on in this hard knock season, being in the NFL and being one of those guys, the discipline, the daily regimen, what it's, what is necessary mentally to make it. And you see these guys and the motivational tactics that they have to use. It's it's incredibly difficult. And also, they must find so much... Kind of like c- playing first base. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, Hatterberg not, notwithstanding. <laughs> it's incredibly <laughs> difficult. And you can see how these guys sort of almost take comfort in the regimen. And it helps them along. And I just think like, oh God, I feel so like such a bum when I see the stuff that they do and how motivated they are and how on it they always are. And then I think like, then how do you get to the point where you're Todd Haley? You know, like you're you're wearing flip flops and cargo shorts and walking around with a dip in and a bucket hat like you're in <laughs> on Golden Pond. Everybody else is utilizing every single second to try and better themselves. But you must at some point when you're in the administrative aspect of the game, get to a point where you're like, I got to figure it out. It's fine. I mean, their offensive line coach is a walrus. I think it's metabolism based <laughs> and and age based. When you're in your early twenties, it's probably easy to keep that physical regimen and yeah, work out and look great and feel great. And then you get like, let me see these guys in their forties. There is something to the some of them uh, might look like walruses. That's true. I think you get a great look at the team aspect of it in in something such as Hard Knocks. And there was a scene in last night's episode where 
uh, Nate Orchard, one of the defensive ends. Ah, uh, bro- that broke my heart. Was working with Miles Garrett on his stance and his get-off after practice. Yes. And Orchard wound up getting cut, and he knew he was on the bubble. And here's this kid that's already, you know, making a ton of money, and he, he's the golden child, and he's trying to help him get better because mm-hmm. they're on the same team. Yeah, I love that. It reminded me of in the scene in the movie Invincible when Vince Papali goes into his dorm room and he sees his roommate as the center and he immediately like kind of jacks him up and shows him what he's been doing wrong in practice. Like, what what color are my knuckles? You're leaning forward. Sick and tired of seeing you get lit up every day. (laughs) I watch that movie every time it's on and I hate it. Oh, it's a great movie. Oh, it's so dumb. You know, I went to Pat's King of Steaks in that movie. I know, it's dumb. Because it's the king of stakes. It's the whole movie's dumb, and I watch it. Says it, it right there, Mike. Every right on the time. side, even dumbass Vince Papali knew that. <laughs> you know they don't tell you at the end of that movie. The Eagles went four and ten that year. They never mentioned that. They started getting good then. Two years later, they made the playoffs. And two years after that, the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Uh, you know what they don't tell you in that movie Draft Day about what, the Browns? What's that? They went zero and sixteen that year. <laughs> Merrill Hodge, talk about discipline. When we come back. Merrill joining us here on the DVE Morning Show. Getting ready for week one. Steelers-Browns Sunday, 1 o'clock. It is the DVE Morning Show. Your home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5. DVE joining us. Once again, talking Steelers. The one and only Merrill Hodge, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, Merrill? Stop it. <laughs> Good to talk more, to you, man. More, louder, louder. <laughs> <laughs> We're all standing here in the studio, Meryl. Well, Val's standing up. <laughs> Val is out today, but she's clapping from home. And uh, welcome back. It's great to talk with you, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm so good. Honestly, can I, because this is not even, I don't even know how to articulate this. This is the best part of football season, starting with you guys. Yeah. It's the greatest thing, I, it's the greatest thing I've ever done in my broadcasting career. What year is this? Uh, I'm sure uh, it's got to be 27, 28 in that in that range, yeah, which I... is actually ridiculous. I launched my career with you guys, and I'm going to end my career with you guys in some way, some fashion. I hope it's not. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's not spiraling <laughs> downward today. Yeah, I, I hope it isn't a disaster when it ends. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Merrill. It would be a, a, a disaster for the Steelers to go zero and one and drop one to the uh, winless. 2017 Browns, who are coming in uh, into this one, fresh off of their Hard Knocks performance. Did you watch Hard Knocks at all? You know what? I, I got a, I caught a few of the episodes, but I didn't get to see the last one. You know, and I mm-hmm. didn't get to see all of them. Um, actually, when I go to my, that's why I go to my um, see Bo, my son at, uh, at BYU. When I go into his place, uh, they're always watching it, so that's when I get to watch most of it. But I haven't seen all of it. You know, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of it though. Uh, what did BYU do last week? Uh, they beat Arizona. Nice. It was a good win for them. Yeah, they needed a win. Good deal. Uh, all right, well, the Steelers need a win, but they don't have Lev Bell. Yeah. I mean, talk a little bit about the reverberations from this, because this no holdout is good, but this one really seems to have been uh, bad blood and then some between Lev Bell and the organization. Yeah, you know, listen, I don't know all the particulars, and, you know, knowing the particulars is really... Uh, you should know that before you evaluate it. Um, but he, looking at it, um, where he is, it hasn't, he's not in yet. Le'Veon Bell. Listen, I don't care what, what kind of athlete you are or how great you're at, you, how you are as an athlete. 
well, this is, there's a reason for training camp. And I always use this, and nothing that will ever prove me wrong in the 30-plus years that I've been playing in that league and studying that league. You just can't walk in and have a week of practice and be in season. You know, there's a reason for training camp. It, it helps you get in season and ready for the season. And even like the season seasons you for the playoffs. I mean, there's a, you know, there's, a, there's value in practice. There's value in the timing of things. You just don't walk out on the field and just because you're great, you your timing is perfect. And I'll tell you this, greatest athlete I ever played with, uh, Rod Woodson and I were drafted in the same draft. And Woody held out an entire camp, and he came in the week before, and I think we played the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, and they messed him up on Jerry Rice. And listen, watching that game, I mean, Rod did a great job, but Rod was not Rod when we played them. Like, there were some catches Jerry Rice had, and I was just like, you know, man, if Rod had been in here earlier or through camp, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You could just tell he was a half a beat off. He was half a step off. And so was Le'Veon Bell last year. You could see it in the timing of everything. You know, you don't run a counter trap or a power O in two days' work when everybody else has been working for four weeks and have the same timing. You just don't. And I don't care how great you are. This just doesn't happen. You need reps to get back into that timing and that rhythm, you know. And so it's unfortunate. Um, here's where I've always, you know, looked at, uh, you know, that I, I don't, once you get to this point where it's his second tag, you know, um, he's angry for whatever reason, you know. And I've heard the numbers are, are staggering in the sense, but he is caught up on, I mean, he's caught up in the guaranteed. And I don't even don't know exactly what those guaranteed numbers are. But sometimes, you know, you let the wrong people tell you about what you should be making and what you should be worth. And those people have never played. Those people are agents. And those people think are thinking more about money than the big picture. You know, you know, listen, oh, yeah. 35 million guaranteed over 25 million guaranteed. I think most 99.9% of Americans hear that and they're like, my gosh, <laughs> yeah. you know, now 5 million I stand is a lot of money, but 25 versus 35, no, I'm not saying those are the numbers, but I'm like, sometimes when greed gets involved, you know, you lose perspective. And, and the um, further they kick the can down like the that. road with this, Merrill, the further they kick the can down the road with this, uh, the, the, the market keeps changing. And so they keep resetting their barometer. That's true. You know, I just, I'm just telling you, it's foolish. I agree. You know, I, I, Le- Le'Veon Bell, um, whoever he's listened to, you know, obviously he's a dynamic player. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, that position, too, you know, um, listen, teams are going to devalue a guy the older he gets at that position quicker um, just because of what history tells you with that position. And he's been hurt. I think he's only had, what, one year where he's played the entire year, which is last year? If I'm right, you mm-hmm. know, and it will be in his, you know, he's still got, I know he's still in his prime, but people are going to look at this and go, okay, he's got another year. Let's say he plays, uh, listen, we want him to be healthy, clearly. Um, but if he has an injury or some kind, and then you look at that, I mean, teams are going to look at that and they're not going to, they're not going to give him a long term deal because, you know, once you start hitting into seven and eight years, people will tell you, wow, geez, that decline is going to happen somewhere. So we can't invested a ton of money yeah you know it's just i just think it's a foolish mistake you know um clearly could have been in there i just 
Listen, from a money perspective and a career perspective, I just I, I think it's foolish. It's unfortunate. Uh, Landry Jones cut from the team this past weekend. Surprised to many people. What did you think of that? You know what? I, I was, and then I, I wasn't. And here's how I think, you know, they look at it. Um, and I think most teams look at it. When you look at Landry Jones, you have to see a certain improvements. You know, and I don't think that they saw that leap that they needed to, even with the reps that he's had to this point. And you're looking at the other two guys that, yes, you're younger, have no experience um, as far as playing in, you know, a real, a real NFL regular season game. But I think their upside trumped where he was as a player. Like, maybe they think, you know what, he's plateaued. We haven't seen, with the opportunities had, him get better where he needs to get better. And our other two guys have a bigger upside, even though they don't have experience. So I think that that probably had uh, a lot of uh, a lot to play in it, you know. Um, and I think that was probably the, the bigger part of it, you know, that just Landry Jones hadn't he hadn't made that leap that you needed to mm-hmm. see with the time he had had. And I think that probably gave him a pause for concern. And the two, the way well, the way the two guys played, you know, they. They were pretty impressive during preseason. They did a lot of good things. They're clearly not. Listen, everybody clearly knows you just want seven out there. Okay, you don't yeah. want seven not mm-hmm. to be there. Okay, that you know, and that's what you're hoping. And listen, the way he is trained, you know, uh, I'm sure it's been well documented. I'm sure you guys have talked about it. Uh, he has a certain spark about him. Um, his commitment, you know, what his commitment to his 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 overall health, you know, and how he takes care of himself. I think that sparked an energy in him. He's seen the value in it. You know, when you take care of yourself, there's one thing I've always told people, of all the investments you could ever make in your life, if you invest in yourself and invest in your health, it'll be the greatest investment you ever make. Now, it's not just for him as a player, which he's seeing that, but he's seeing it as a long-term thing, how much value there is in that. And that's giving him great energy. You know, that's kind of created some youth in him, you know, of how he's taking care of himself. It's a whole new feel. For him, and when you feel good about yourself, and your body responds, and you see how when you take care of it, you you reap the rewards of it. I mean, that's a powerful thing. You know, that's been a, a staple of my life. I've always believed in that. You know, it's, it's probably helped me survive many many things I've dealt with because I've had that health. But I'm in talking to him and watching uh, watching him. You can see that's almost created a youthfulness in him. So I'm excited for you know him and the entire team obviously uh, because just because of that just how he's reinvested his his, uh, his health. Merrill what do you see is the biggest change in James Conner uh, last year to this year? Well this, this usually happens in your second year you know you know you, you every day is not new you know you know where you know what you know about training camp you know how regular season is um you have you understand the offense, and you can play with more instincts, and you're not thinking as much. He has just been a much more decisive. He looks like he's a little um, lighter too. Um, I don't know if he is. He just looks. He is. He, yeah, he just looks sleek. You know, um, boys, and he's running. That that's what happened to me in my second year. Like my second year, I was a completely different player, which is often what happens. Merrill, you're a great player. I never saw you as sleek. <laughs> <laughs> I was never sleek. Um, I was never big either, though. To be honest with you, I was like, I was, I used, people don't know this. People go, well, I can't believe you were 230. And I was like, oh, I played at 210. And they were like, 
well, wait a minute, you look so much bigger. I go, well, that's because back in the day, those pads were so big. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the truth. Right? I mean, this is the pads back then. When you look at me like, oh, my gosh. You know, I would look like I'm 210 now because the pads were that big. But I would weigh in every day at 230. There was these things called the power pants back in the day. And they were like scuba gear, but they were they were really just shorts that you put in. And you could slide these weights in your thighs, and there was like five per thigh, and you could go anywhere from a half pound to a pound, to two pounds. And what we'd do is put them in, and we'd run stairs with them. And actually, they were very cool, but what I did is you, when you weighed in, you only could wear a pair of shorts. Well, I would put those shorts in, and then I would put the weight, 10 pounds in each leg, so that I'd weigh 230. And I always weighed 230. Well, one day I got in late actually, and we had to, it was weighing day. And so I, I didn't have uh, weights in my pants. So I hurried through the pa- weights in and I threw the wrong weights in. I get up on the scale. I'm 240. I'm like, Oh, and he, and I remember he goes 240. How are you 240? I'm like, well, I, I drank a lot of water this morning. I got, I, so now I go into the meet. I go into my meeting. Well, here comes Chuck and Chuck's reaching the door. He goes, Hey, Meryl, 240. How are you 240? I said, Coach, I promise you tomorrow I'll weigh 230. I'll weigh in. I'll be exactly <laughs> 230. I just had a lot of water. I adjusted those pants, those weights just right. And the next day I was 230. I mean, the next day I was 230. That's, like, <laughs> that's, how, I, that's how I fooled them that I, I weighed more than I really weighed is those, those great power pants. But back to Connor, I just, you know, your second year, you just, everything is familiar. You have a better understanding of everything. And now you can really just play with instincts versus thinking everything through. You know, you could see that last year. Like, there, there was a couple times last year when he played that he got the team in trouble because he was late at picking up blitzes. And you could see him, with, he's just thinking through the whole process. But when you think, you're late. You know, when you're instinct, you can react and you're quicker. And that's what I see in him. He's just, he knows what he's doing. He's playing with great instincts. And, listen, he, he gives them that balance they need. You know, they'll be okay in the running game. With him, you know, he's, you know, and listen, if Le'Veon Bell keeps holding out, you know, you know, I feel comfortable with him. You know, he's a, he's done a, he's done a heck of a job at camp and he just runs with a certain spark and energy and you can tell he's playing with instincts. He's not thinking a lot, which is, will be a real plus, you know, the longer Le'Veon holds out. Merrill Hodge is back. Great to have you back here, Merrill. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Appreciate you. Anytime next week we talk about deer hunting because I already got stories. Oh, good. All right. Well, I look forward to it. We got to roll right now, but great catching up with you. We'll talk with you next week, and uh, best of luck to Bo this weekend. Thank you, guys. Okay, man. Go Steelers. All right. Steelers-Browns, Sunday, 1 o'clock. All the action starting at 9 o'clock here on your radio home of the Steelers, Stevie. Lab-grown meats. These are going to be increasingly big news uh, as they are starting to enter the marketplace now. Consumers are not totally down with it. You know, I understand why. It's I, all about the taste and the texture. If they can't nail that to the floor. See, I disagree. I think it's all about the name. I agree. There's a big discussion in this article because they were thinking, okay, is it going to be in vitro meats? And I was like, that's disgusting in sounding. Vitro. Alt meat. Well, was... I thought they said cultured meat. And to me, that just makes it seem like it's a little highfalutin, like it's very 
Like it's British. Like, what do you say, old boy? What's your protein <laughs> per ounces? What do you? Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. That was uh, Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday. He's going to be appearing at Apis Mead and Winery tomorrow night for the Hurry Up Say Something Funny show down in Carnegie. They got a brand new space down there, so go check that out. It's uh, a fun show to see. Always great lineups on that show. We were talking about Alt Meat, which is something that's coming out. Now, I thought it was the Impossible Burger at down on the North Shore was the same thing. I think they have it at Burgatory, uh, as they were speaking about in this article, or writing about in this article, I should say. Sure. Um, because it, they were also talking about a name for it being the Impossible Burger. But that one down uh, in the North Shore is plant-based. This is stuff they're talking about taking animal cells and making cloned meat. Well, where are they getting the cells? From, I don't know. From the I animals. Mean, <laughs> yeah. And are they killing them? I guess so. I don't know. I, I guess I would trust fake meat as much as I trust real meat these days. Yeah. It's a little bit of a crapshoot no matter what you're doing. Yeah. What was Val's uh, report yesterday? Chicken is the worst? Really? The worst well, offender? Beca- well, because we eat more of that than anything else. Yeah, you're safer with beef than you are with chicken in terms of like salmonella or any other foodborne illness. But can't do anything right. No, you can't, <laughs> like they're like eat fish, and then eventually they're like, wait, stop eating fish. You, right. you're, you're not supposed to eat too much fish now. I don't know. There's nothing because we're not a country of moderation. Understand. You tell us to do something, and then we do that to the max. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's eat true. fish. You got it. Come to the bottomless <laughs> fishing net at the fishery company. Fish tacos. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Gabriella DeLuca filling in for Val. Val will be back tomorrow, but uh, Gabriella from Channel 11 here filling in uh, this morning. Thanks so much for hey coming. Hey, guys. In. Very happy it. to be here. What's happening? Well, so well, so, well first of all, but you know, before we get into the news, uh, let's yes. check with the weather real quick from your cohorts at Channel 11, brought to you by Dormont Applied. All right. What do you got for us? Okay, so there's a new theory on why most people get along with their coworkers, and it's called coffee goggles. So you know how beer goggles make you think people are more attractive? Well, according to a study at the University of California, Davis, coffee goggles make you think people are better than they actually are. The researchers Turns say- Turns out you guys aren't interesting at all. <laughs> the researchers say that when people drink coffee before a conversation, it helps them focus and makes them feel more positively about the people they are talking with. Is that why you guys get along so well? Yes. Yes. 100%. It's a coffee-based relationship. I'd love to see what happened in this room if neither of us had coffee. We've seen it. It's not good. A lot of no. anger. Well, it's, it's just like... Well, like Surly. With, we're, with Val, we're very too. S- snippy with each other. Yeah, everybody's just miserable. Val you, doesn't drink coffee, but she does... She's on the juice. She's drinking Mountain Dew. Yeah, she's a Dew. Oh, really? She does the Dew. Oh. She does. Which is like... It's, 5 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, that's that, uh, that's Which a serious score. I, I would be jittery. Too much sugar for me. Yeah. Uh, but I it's think like co- she's training for the X Games or something. <laughs> but this study proves why people love cocaine because they just start talking and talking and talking and talking and they're yeah. just happy to be talking and Making then lots the, of friends. Yeah. And that's now why I'm picturing people just huddled in a bathroom drinking coffee. <laughs> so uh, where are you guys from again? <laughs> mm, so interesting. What was it like there? That's just it. That's why they have to go get more cocaine. They're like, you're not interesting anymore. We better go get some more Coke. I am really giddy when I drink coffee, you know? Yeah. Do you like get I a feel- coffee crash? Oh, yes. Yeah, For I definitely sure. do. Mm-hmm. As, especially on when I was working the morning shift, like 10 o'clock, I was like, okay. Yeah. For a nap. It's like a weird hangover. Mm-hmm. I always go get lunch at a place up the street from me, and it's usually right about the time that the coffee crash is happening, Yeah, and it looks like I get hit by a car when I walk in yes. there. I'm always like, ugh. <laughs> yes. You just got to uh, just keep eating. I've yeah. never felt the way that I feel 
in this job because I always feel like I'm lunking my body around after the show is over yeah. and it's just a matter of time I'm like oh god I gotta get this thing a bed because I'm going down like it's it's all happening right now yeah I'll get sleep. me to my house I'll sleep in a car I'll yeah. do it 15 minutes in a car if I have to that's not a bad idea yeah I, it, those ca- those caffeine crashes man you gotta do it I just can't I can't sleep in my car yeah not all night but you know all night, yeah. If you have 20 minutes, I love that. When I'm early to an appointment, oh, yeah, dude. Recline, put the tunes on. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Th- no. Kick the AC on, do a quick nap. Just a quick one. I mean, not even like a full like REM sleep. You know, just enough to just kind of like to be like on. jolt you. Yeah. Just to justify the next cup of coffee I'm going to have. <laughs> okay, so we're staying on the coffee theme here. The pumpkin spice latte didn't do well in focus groups, and its creator thought it was a long shot. So it's hard to remember the days before the pumpkin spice latte ever existed, but that world did exist in 2003 when a project manager at Starbucks led the team that created the pumpkin spice latte. And according to a new interview, he says they really didn't think it would be a hit. Focus groups thought it was a... It was strange to mix pumpkin flavor and coffee, and he thought the drink was a, quote, a long shot. But when it went on sale, it immediately took off and became a huge hit. And now we're at the 15th anniversary, and it might be more popular than ever. 420 calories, 18 grams of fat. No, don't tell me this. 52 carbs and 50 grams of sugar. See, I think what pumpkin spice is suffering from is like a little bit of Dave Grohl syndrome. They're overextended. (laughs) They're in everything. There's pumpkin spice Pop-Tarts, pumpkin spice Oreos. It's all over the place. And again, it's not pumpkin flavored. It's pumpkin spices. It's the stuff you put on pumpkin to make pumpkin not taste terrible. Like pumpkin. Right, <laughs> right. So you're not getting anything that tastes pumpkiny. You're getting the spices. You're getting, it's the clove, cinnamon, nutmeg, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it came out early this year, and everyone has been drinking it when it's been what 95 today. We just heard Scott right. say. I mean, I can't, I can't do that right now. Yeah, I don't get mad at people who like it. There seems to be like these two schools of thought where mm-hmm. there are people who hate the pumpkin spice stuff, um, and uh, there are people who are complaining that they are being oppressed for liking it. I, I don't know. I just. What about the beer? Do you do the pumpkin spice beers? No. I, I hate when they come out in August. Yeah. Like, I feel like late September, October is when they should come out. But, but do you have them? No. I mean, do you ever drink them? No, I have, yeah. Do they do like the crusted rim? Not all of them, no. Uh, I, I don't like the pumpkin beer. No, I like beer, beer. I. Yeah, me too. You know, I can handle an IPA, but going outside of that and getting into anything fancier than that, I don't have the palate for it or the care. Plus, they're like 8% alcohol, and then you just end up on your ass after two yeah. beers. You know what was funny is that oh. my, my neighbor had a party this weekend, and his father-in-law was over hanging out and drinking craft beers and just got wasted. Because he thought <laughs> he was <laughs> drinking regular beers. He was, yeah. he, was, yeah. he, he was like, one of his shoes wasn't all the way on, <laughs> and he fell asleep in a chair. And we were just like, yeah, you know, he's not used, he's used to drinking like right. Natty Lights or whatever right. he drinks. You drink 30 of them. Yeah, These aren't hams, Grandpa. Yeah, right. that's how my dad is. I think he just sticks to like yingling and Corona. Right. And, no, and even in the middle of winter, we'll have a Corona. So. My dad drank like Stroh's forever. Stroh's. Strohs. My dad's dude. a yingling guy. Yeah. Okay. So there's a new dating term called curving, and it's one step up from ghosting, but maybe even more cruel, according to this study. 
So curving is when someone probably isn't into you, but instead of ghosting you, they... Which is just not responding to you ever. Yes. Ever. They do keep texting with you, but just with almost no effort or passion. Like if you text someone a lot of messages and they respond back a few hours later with just the thumbs up emoji, (laughs) that's curving. And it might be even worse than ghosting because it just keeps stringing you along. Yeah, no, there's, there's validity to that. I feel like I I want to say at one point I was maybe guilty of this because I didn't want to be mean, you know, yeah, like right. I just was like, ha ha, sounds good or something. Yeah, but you if know? they don't get the, but, yeah, if they don't get the hint, right? At what point is it their fault for not understanding that you are being nice? Like anybody, yeah. The problem is, is if like somebody is putting too much. Wait on a relationship, or like you know, some guy or girl is really into it. They will, you know, read whatever meaning they want in that response. Right, where you're trying to be diplomatic, they're like, "She's into me." Like she said, "Ha ha." Yeah, yeah. Smiley face. She wouldn't have said LOL. Right. That's why when guys are always like, well, come on, sweetheart, just give me a smile. Smile Uh, at me. And then you smile at them and they're like, she wants to have sex with me. uh, No, that's why all the misconnections in Craigslist were all like guys who were in (laughs) love with the, the person serving them because it's their job to be nice to them. Right. And every guy's interpretation of that is, she's into me. Yeah. Look at that. She smiled when she I gave me the I can't believe check. I didn't get her number. Ghosting is bad, though, too. When ghosting you just stop is. talking. Yeah. I mean, I have been a victim of ghosting when I was dating people. Yeah. I mean, that happens. Yeah. That's got to be brutal. My sister, too. Nicole, sorry if you're listening. Just <laughs> you just you totally out like sold that. out your but sister. We talk, like, we talk about it as a family. It was a funny thing. So <laughs> Getting ghosted is, uh, yeah, that that A be lot harder traumatic. to do when you had a landline, you know? <laughs> yes. My fiance, like, mom, just tell her I don't live here yeah. anymore. Well, my fiance always says, like, the guts you had to have when, like, you were younger to call someone's landline and, like, ask their dad Hell to yeah. say, like, hey, is Gabriella there? Right. You know, right. now you just text. Well, and that's why I think ghosting became a thing because there's so many ways to get a hold of somebody through yeah. multiple social media platforms, calling, texting, emailing, that you, if you don't go full bore uh, all out off the board right that they'll just keep plugging away at different outlets right yeah send you a snapchat yeah why haven't you accept my linkedin (laughs) request come on oh i tell you what there's a couple people if i see them i'm gonna punch them right in the solar plex (laughs) take me off your linkedin right i'm not on linkedin (laughs) i'm not on it it's crazy the ghosting though becomes a necessity I yeah. think for some people, because there are so many outlets. I, I'm not saying it's right. I think some people think it's the only way to get rid of uh, like weirdos, but it Clingy. is it, but is implemented by people who are just being jerks, too. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. I, speaking of the landline, I remember one time I was having a fight with my girlfriend in high school, and she was crying. Oh, no. Her dad got on the oh, phone. Oh, no. And was like, I'm going to kill you. Oh, are you serious? I was like, all right, I'll call her tomorrow. I'm cringing thinking about yeah. this. You mean- yeah. It was like, all right, I'm never going over her house again. Did you guys break up? Uh, Yeah. But then we got back together. You know that high school thing where you break up with someone five times before right. you actually really do? Oh, yeah. Did you ever make the mistake of going to pick up a girl and just honking the horn? Oh, no, because I grew up in the city and I just was too scared to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a big thing. Her dad like, will come out here and stab me in the neck. Yeah. yeah like if, if when I was living at home, I mean, it, if they didn't come to the door, I mean, my parents would be very upset. Yeah. I mean. You have to go to the door. Right. 
Well, if you're living at home, you have to. Yeah. Because, yeah. Well, even if they're not, I don't know. Well, yes. I mean, yes, like, but I mean, like, especially like her, if, her, if her family's hey. there, you know what I mean? Like, you have to put your best, you know, show show out there. Right. Does your fiance still open doors for you? He does. See? Actually. Yeah, he's chivalrous. He's there a good you go. guy. Car door? Gotta be. Yeah, car door. Always nice. do the car door, Billy. Yeah. yeah. Gotta do the car door. Actually, the other day I tried opening the car Mario door for test. him and he was like, get out of here. No way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Serena's very it? bad with letting anybody be chivalrous. Like, I'll try to open the... She walks in front of me. Yeah. I can do it. I can do it. Right. Well, I guess I'm that's... like, all right, then open it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be pampered. I like to have nice things. <laughs> Lay like... your jacket over this puddle. <laughs> <laughs> These are brand new Nikes. One time I tried giving him my sweater in the movie theater, and he said, are you kidding me? Yeah. Absolutely not. I'm not putting this little white sweater on. <laughs> no, that's right. No, that was, the, that was the correct response. <laughs> yeah. That guy should have gone out and gotten like, you know, a Southside Cinema Works sweatshirt before he did anything for $75. Now, conversely, if he would have said, yes, thank you, you might have a different problem. <laughs> right, yeah. He's, like, yeah. He's wearing all my sweaters now. <laughs> he loves the mohair ones. <laughs> Gabriella DeLuca from Channel 11 filling in uh, this morning. So you sold out your sister and your fiance. I know. Although sorry, you, no, well, you nice. made him no, look no, good. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, he won't be angry. Your sister on the other Yeah, end. I'm sorry, Nicole. No, no, she's fine. <laughs> no, who's the jerk that ghosted her? We should put him on blast. Let's we go up to that guy right now. We should. Let's call him. Let's just do that. That'd See be if he can ghost thing. us. Well, let's... <laughs> Let's send him a request on LinkedIn. Let's be passive about this. <laughs> Let's be passive-aggressive. Yeah. Mike Pursuta has your sports when we come back. Coach, very uh, passive-aggressive with the media yesterday. Ah, uh, oh, Le'Veon Bell. Oh, I hardly even th- think about him. Is he ghosting us? I don't know. Is Le'Veon Bell ghosting the Steelers? <laughs> he might be. It seems more like a curbing, right? Yeah. Hey, Le'Veon, you going to show up? He's like, okay. <laughs> come on, man. I, I just... <laughs> I hit you up on MySpace. It's like you're not on there anymore. Also, we'll uh, put Coach Tomlin's answers through the Tomlin Translator. That's coming up 845. Mark Madden, 945. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta's got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Coach uh, speaking with the media yesterday, Mike, and uh, not always very direct. Hadn't thought about Le'Veon Bell. Just hadn't thought of him. Just hadn't thought about him. Oh, oh Didn't yeah, come Le'Veon. Up. Yeah. Is he not here? Maybe what number is he up? again? Maybe he'll carry the ball. Maybe he won't. Uh, Mike Tomlin adamant, however, that he feels a lot better going into this year's opener at Cleveland about the running back situation behind Le'Veon Bell than he did going into last year's opener at Cleveland about the running back situation behind Le'Veon Bell. Uh, There's a pretty specific reason for that. James, the status and condition and approach of James being a rookie that missed a lot of time uh, due to soft tissue injuries and lack of general readiness to a guy that's done the things that we've outlined several minutes in here. Yeah, and those uh, things involved uh, why Mike Tomlin thinks that uh, James Conner is better this year as a second-year player across the board. And what did you say? All areas, and he met the challenge. Um, it, it's reasonable to expect improvement in all areas from all of the guys, um, whether it's things relative to their position, develop, development of skills specifically to their position, whether it's overall general conditioning and wellness relative to the job, whether it's overall general understanding about what the process is or their potential role is, or if it's just about football in general. Um, football one-on-one, rules of the game, situational football, 
Um, I mean it when I say we expect those guys to grow in all areas, and I mean it when I say it's reasonable to expect that based on that year or that lap around the track. And he did, uh, as did did Dobbs. His yep. tissues aren't soft anymore this year, Mike. Harden those tissues up. Steelers uh, played Le'Veon Bell in the opener last year, Cleveland, after he skipped training camp and showed up in advance of week one. He was not good. Their depth chart at running back going into the opener a year ago was Bell, James Conner as a rookie, Terrell Watson, and uh, Roosevelt Knicks at fullback. This year they have Conner as a second-year player, and they also have Steven Ridley, who is uh, a veteran, been there, done that, NFL runner. For sure. And Roosevelt Knicks. So uh, it, it looks better on paper. And, Randall, to your point about Bell not being very good last year, 10 carries for 32 yards, and he had a long gain of 15. Mm-hmm. So if you throw that one out, he had nine carries for 17 yards. He didn't play in the last drive. A couple catches, stinks. too, didn't he? A couple um, catches. He had a couple grabs in that three game. Three for 15 yeah. yards. Nothing, Nothing significant. That would lead you to believe, oh, this guy's doing the work of a wide receiver <laughs> as well as <laughs> right. a running back. Right. Uh, he, he was not effective, so they weren't giving him the ball. He was not happy about that. That was a little bit of an issue on the sideline. Connor had four carries for 11 yards. The Steelers rushed it. 17 times for 35 yards, a 2.1 average per carry. They have to run the ball better than that, and uh, they think they can this year. Uh, you also heard uh, Mike Tomlin just touch very briefly on Josh Dobbs at the end of his soliloquy on James Conner, how Conner was better across the board, and so was Josh Dobbs. Dobbs so much better that uh, he is the number 2 quarterback, according to Tomlin, not because Landry Jones lost a job, but because Josh Dobbs won it. You know, re- really wasn't about what Landry did or didn't do. It was, what about, it was about what Josh did. Um, Josh was presented with very tangible challenges. He didn't shrink in the face of it. As a matter of fact, he rose up in the face of it and provided good and consistent play for us. We've always acknowledged that his mobility is an asset to him. I think we all got comfortable um, with his prudent use of it or his prudent displays of use of it uh, over the course of the preseason. Um, it's helpful to him. It's helpful to us. Um, we just got really comfortable with his growth and development. And when he's talking about prudent use of his running ability. Mm-hmm. That's what you were talking about. What I think he means and what I saw is a guy who would use his mobility to extend the play rather than just take off. Right. And say, oh, I can't throw it now. I got to run. If you can get out on the wing, and Ben has done this throughout his career, it breaks the defense down, and your receivers react to that, and you can you can find guys. If you're able to get outside and either throw on the run or pull up and throw, as opposed to just thinking, okay, I couldn't get to my first read. Here comes the rush. I'm going to try to get four yards or six yards running the ball. And that's not an easy thing to do, to keep your eyes downfield while you're shedding tacklers. That is a great point. I'm surprised still about this move. It's a poised pro thing to do, and not a lot of guys can do it. I'm still kind of surprised that this has all gone down the way it has. I mean, it's exciting. You know, if Josh Dobbs can be as good as he seemed like he was capable of playing in that last preseason game great for the Steelers they should have you know three solid or at least two solid backup options for Ben but I you know I don't know how much 
behind Landry Dobbs was should we need him say something happens to Ben Sunday oh, I don't think that would be a advantageous scenario <laughs> I think I think a lot of the Dobbs uh, situation has evolved the way it has because of his upside he's making a lot of progress but he's not there he's yet. not there Mason Rudolph's right. not close to there yet and I'm not saying that he can't someday be very very good he is a rookie coming out of a gimmick system that was considered a project by a lot of people, and he is. He's one definitely worth worth working on, as is Dobbs. Mike Tomlin said all these guys are going to get work. They're going to try to continue to develop everybody. Uh, they better be uh, on their details that way because uh, I think if you need Dobbs Sunday, that's going to be pretty iffy. Maybe four or five weeks from now, it will be less so. And maybe in the latter stages of the season, he'll develop into a reliable backup. Seems like, well, I don't know. In the last four years or so, we've relied on the backup to beat the Browns quite a bit. Yeah, one year it was Ben. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. His first season. Relieving Landry. Oh. On, on, I think, the first drive. Because he wasn't supposed to play because of the ankle or something like that? He had some injury, and they dressed him. And they usually don't dress him as the backup, but they did on that occasion, and turned out they needed him. Uh, Steelers at the Browns on Sunday. Of course, the Browns coming off a highly entertaining appearance oh, on man. Hard Knocks. And uh, if you haven't figured it out by now, my favorite part, in addition to all the Todd Haley one-liners, was the Christian Kirksey uh, challenge to his teammates to write down their why. What's your, What's why? your why? Why do you play the game? Yeah. Why does this mean so much to you? Uh, here's why it means so much to Alejandro Villanueva. What do I play? Because I love the game. Because it gives me dopamine when I get a good block. It gives me dopamine when I win a game. I mean, it's um, something that's also supporting my family. And so it's um, it's a sport and a game that's given me a lot. And so I appreciate every single moment that I'm on the field. Dopamine. My brain feels good when I get a good block. It's like a good behavior, bad behavior sort of thing. So it's it's very simple, but it's you know it's almost like submitting a good report to your boss, I guess. right? So in, in my case, I have to get a good block. So the running back can get a lot of yards. That's that's what makes me feel good. Even though, you know, the, the offensive lineman is not really the guy that's going to get all the attention and whatnot. At the end of the day, if you just get a good, good job by Coach Munchak, makes you feel good, and you just want more and more and more of that. The actual physiological explanation. I like that. I, must I hope he gets some dopamine on Sunday. That's going to be a tough task. I must have had a look on my face like, what the f is dopamine? Because I'm glad he explained that. <laughs> is that legal? Can you yeah. get suspended for that? Isn't that what Gilbert <laughs> took last year? It cost him four games. What did Different Coach kind of Tomlin dope. really mean by what he was saying? We'll get to that next when we do the Tomlin Translator here on the DVE Morning Show. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Each week during the NFL season, Coach Mike Tomlin gives a press conference. His answers are less than forthcoming. Uh, they're, they're somewhat, you know... There's a lot of foliage around Smoky, what he actually yeah. means. So we have uh, developed an app with the help of uh, some people at Carnegie Mellon, the Tomlin Translator, where we take his answers. Those people would be the nerds. Yeah, thank those you. Dorks at CMU. Yeah. And we put it through the Tomlin Translator, the answers to his uh, to the questions from each week's press conference, and we arrive at the actual meaning of what Coach Tomlin, Tomlin is saying. Because he doesn't come right out and say it, Mike. Got to clear some debris. Thank God the dorks and nerds have come up with this. So the first question <laughs> in yesterday's press conference 
was about Le'Veon Bell. Do you expect Le'Veon Bell to be here tomorrow? Um, I hadn't thought about it. Mm, okay, let's mm. put that through the Tomlin translator here. Let's see if we can uh, just do this. You know. I can't stop thinking about it. It is driving me crazy. If I lose to the Browns in week one after a winless season, Terry Bradshaw is going to get a lynch mob after well, me. Well, I mean, that might be a little aggressive. I don't know that it'll be that bad, but sure. Uh, the second question, talking about how do you evaluate Le'Veon when he does arrive. What goes into that process to how ready he will be when he's back? You know, um, again, I'll answer that when he gets here. Um, I've given you the variables. We'll see. Okay, put it through the translator. We have to make sure he is not too high to remember the playbook. <laughs> we also need to see if he can run 10 yards without coughing up a pile of blunts. I mean, <laughs> a pile of blunts? Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I, I mean that, that's a valid concern, I guess. All right. Hopefully he's been vaping. And then, of course, he was asked, you know, whether he'd spoken with Lev. Have you been in communication with him this week? I haven't been in contact with him this week. Okay, let's put that. Every time I text him, he texts back, do contract, who dis? Oh, mm. well. <laughs> uh, then Coach Tomlin curving us. was asked about his new offensive coordinator. Uh, was this your question, Mike? I'm not sure. Like in terms of... of you talked about the kind of the unknown with Cleveland's no, it's still personnel. There's there's really no book on Randy Feekner in terms of what he does as an offense coordinator, other than the fact that you, the offense that I like it, you know, <laughs> I like it. Can can you use that as an advantage for your team as well? Certainly, um, and, and one that we intend to. Um, I, I think sometimes there's you know there's challenges that come with transition. There's mm-hmm. also Benefits or unintended consequences, and and not being able to anticipate his rhythms, his nuances, or the things that he holds near and dear is mm. is part of the advantage of the transition. Transition to the new offensive coordinator. Let's put that through the translator. Ben is calling all the plays. Okay, <laughs> and so then the next question <laughs> was about the backup quarterback because you know the the decision to cut Landry that must have been a tough one Mike did you um, talk about the decision to let Landry go and keep uh, Josh yeah it was a very difficult decision and and you know re- really wasn't about what Landry did or didn't do it was what about it was about what Josh did right, let's put that through the translator there. it wasn't difficult Landry has always been terrible. Well, that is, okay. Well, you know, and there was a part two to this question. We've always acknowledged that his mobility is an asset to him. I think we all got comfortable um, with his prudent use of it or his prudent displays of use of it Talking about dogs. Uh, over the course yeah. of the preseason. Um, it's helpful to him. It's helpful to us. Um, we just got really comfortable with his growth and development. Okay. I'll put that. In three years. The only growth Landry showed was that creepy porn stash on his upper lip. Uh, and then, you know, he was asked about, you know, if the guy's job was in jeopardy, why didn't he play more? I think a lot of the reaction to that move from the outside has been, well, if the job was up for competition, why didn't Landry play more in the preseason then to secure his job? Did you guys feel as if you had seen everything you needed to see from Landry? Guys, I've been very transparent about this process in terms of how we distribute reps. 
Okay, let's put that to, to the translator. He no longer had to prove to us how terrible he was. <laughs> we saw it enough. We take him at his stink. <laughs> we take him at his stink? Yeah. Uh, all right, so I mean, look, wow. you know, because sometimes it's hard to parse through the, the meaning, you know, the words to get to the meaning, anyways. Uh, and he was it only at, takes a while. Mike, I believe this was your question about uh, Todd Haley. It was. How much does the change of personnel perhaps oh, second, throw, right? you know, take, you have to take that into consideration is that Todd's coaching different guys than he was with here? Uh, that's always an element of the equation. Um, you know, if you got red paint, you paint your barn red. You know, we use that analogy in coaching a lot. Um, I'm sure Todd is going to work to paint his barn whatever color the paint it is that he has. Okay, uh, through the translator. But I bet you that he puts a mechanical bull in that barn gets kicked out of it by week two. <laughs> he was asked about tight end Vance McDonald. What are, the, what are the last hurdles Vance McDonald needs to go through going through to get back to the practice? I'll know more once he participates tomorrow. He's going to be at least a partial participant tomorrow, and we'll see what the, the result of that work is, how that work feels, and I'll be able to provide you more information based on that. Right through the translator. Thanks for reminding me that dude was on the team. <laughs> totally forgot. Where has he been? I haven't seen him in a while. And lastly, he was asked about his opponent this weekend being featured on HBO's Hard Knocks. Mike, when you have a team that's your week one opponent is like Hard Knocks, what, if anything, can you glean from that to use for your preparation? I don't know. I don't watch. All right, put that through. I watch it every week. The only things I have gleaned from it are... Don't take financial advice from Carl Nassib. <laughs> Crystals don't make you good at football. And if I lose to that clown convention in week one, I'm going to have to be thoughtfully non-rhythmic about getting my resume in order. Well, there you go. There's the, the real meaning to the answers he gave in yesterday's press conference to Tom the Translator. Only here on the DVE Morning Show. All right. Gabriella, what's going on news-wise? <laughs> okay, so this is one that a lot of my news friends and I have been talking about. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. A TV meteorologist beat up a TV anchor who accused her of flirting with her husband. I love this story. No, I didn't hear this. Okay, so listen up. A woman named Erica Bivens is the anchor at WSAZ, which is the NBC affiliate in Charleston, West Virginia. A woman named Chelsea Ambrose does the weather. Well, they were out at a bar last week, and Erica accused Chelsea of flirting with her husband. Chelsea shoved Erica and they both fell down, but Erica wound up with a ruptured eardrum and a oh fractured skull. Chelsea was arrested for misdemeanor battery of a co-worker and she's due in court in three weeks. She could be looking at up to a year in jail or a fine. Neither of them has been on the air since this all went down and we don't know if the station is planning to fire Chelsea. Thoughts. Oh, I mean, the ratings would be huge. Put them on the newscast together again. <laughs> yeah, to. They were on, I believe it was the morning show together. My friend, Mike Holden, and I, we were watching the two of them interact beforehand, and they seemed like friends. Oh, you know that was just brewing for a long time. A couple of cocktails in her, and it all came out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a crazy story. I guarantee you that chick was hitting on her husband. I'm going to yeah. shove you. And Could not have down. been unfounded. She doesn't fracture a skull if there's no, nothing there. Yeah. Like, she maybe starts a fight if she's, you know, like, dreaming up a scenario that's not actually occurring. Maybe she gets in an argument about it, but she doesn't start cracking a skull over it, right? Wait, I think it was the one who was flirting. 
is the one who's accused of her. Oh, yes. really? Yes. Oh, I thought it was the other the, way around. The yes, I thought it was the wife. Apparently, the wife confronted the other one, and she said, "Yep, get out of my face!" <laughs> Wham! Wham! Yeah. Forecast but I don't know. She you. said she pushed her, and then they both went down. Was this on the edge of some steps or something? I don't know. Oh God, I wish that a lot of drama here. I wish they would have done it in front of the green screen. Uh, the <laughs> you know. So that we could have just put all kinds of exotic backgrounds behind their <laughs> girl fight. That is pretty funny, though. This had to be the talk of every newsroom oh across the gosh, country. Oh, my gosh. We were all texting about it. Because in every one of those newsrooms, there's probably, you're like, if that happened here, it would be so-and-so and so-and-so. Nobody wants a, yeah. piece, nobody wants a piece of Scott Harbaugh. No, it's Scott Harbaugh. Oh, Harbaugh. my gosh. Scott Harbaugh would this be the lightning. absolute last. He is the nicest guy. <laughs> Plus, he'll throw a derecho up in your face. <laughs> I don't know. It seems to me like that there are a lot of newsrooms where this could happen. Well, this is like a tiny, tiny market. You know, when I started, it was middle of nowhere, Michigan. And so, like, you're all kind of family there because no one knows anyone. Right. So these people yeah. or these girls, I'm assuming, you know, Charleston, West Virginia. Charleston is, is not big, but yeah. it's not, uh, I mean... It's, yeah, but it's got to be what, like 150, 160? Yeah, or I, I like would that. think so. But if you're working at a TV station, I can imagine a scenario where it's like you're doing that. You don't really have any friends outside of that. Exactly. So you're like, you know, shopping in house. What's the husband have acceptable. to say about this? That's I don't what know. I want to know. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was looking at their Instagrams all weekend, yeah. their Twitters. Dude, I was, we you were went doing down some, the rabbit hole. Yes. Nice. I, I mean, Mike Holden and I from Channel 11, we were, we were digging deep on this. How story. many likes did. <laughs> The weather girl give the husband on his I, I, Instagram. I didn't do that much. Come on, that much research. But I was nervous. I was going to like, you know, when you're like really oh, yeah. creeping. Oh yeah, that's. The, I didn't want to like. And you're way too far in the folder. So like, far. Oh, yeah, this is 2008. Oh, yeah. I'm in a Cancun vacation. How from, do I unlike with like this? two ex boyfriends ago? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> huh? Like. Huh? Speaking of when you do start dating someone, you know, you all do that creeping thing. The creep. You know? yeah. yeah, and that's what I really get nervous about. Someone I did get nervous about going back and then oh, yeah. and then hitting like on something. Yeah, yeah, everybody. And and if somebody doesn't have any social media, does it raise all types of red flags? Total red flag. I'm waving my hand right now. That yeah. is a red flag. Aha! Uh-huh, I see. I like this. You can't get away with it. There's no washing the record here. There is. There, it's probably hard to date Jesse Ventura. There's no. Now wait a minute. There's no eternal sunshine of the spotless mind scenario going on here. You own it, or 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 you're screwed. Yep. And if you you can't claim that you're a Luddite anymore, you can't be like, oh, I don't have social media. I don't know how to do that stuff. You've got to have a real good answer. Instaface? I don't know what it's called. Oh. You're like, uh-uh, you're yeah, in the you CIA or know. you're shady AF. Right. Yeah. Right. Everyone has it. This is all good. <laughs> this is good information, Bill. <laughs> you know who to trust and who not to trust. Now, if you're not open to the point of putting like your medical records online, people are like, he's hiding something. Right. Dude's got something to hide. What's he hide? Absolutely. The rest of us are documenting every single step we take. Why isn't this person doing it? But it all looks so happy. Oh, yeah. Well, nobody puts the like sad parts right. in there. No. It's not real life. <laughs> Dude, if there was a sad book, I would be, oh, imagine the endless- <laughs> I mean, Facebook kind of is a sad book <laughs> in a way. Yeah, no, there's- A lot of people have, like, it's either people that are projecting this life that mm-hmm. couldn't possibly be so great- or the opposite, people just down in the dumps, and it's like, I just saw him. He seemed fine. Right. Instagram, I think, is all happy. Facebook, a little bit sad, you know? 
Facebook gets super depressing. Are you yeah. kidding me? Twitter, pretty contentious. Yes. Twitter's snark. Yeah. It's just straight snark. Twitter went from my least favorite to my favorite now. I yeah, tweet me too. before I do anything else. It's the only I, one I really mess with. Because I can stay emotionless on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't suck me in. Like, I'll read it a lot, but I don't get, like, caught up in the emotions. Instagram is sort of like a Xanax. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's the antidepressant social media. Like, oh, look how nice and, oh, everything's got a Nashville sheen to it. Yes. Is Snapchat still a thing, though? I, I just always felt like I was way too old to Snapchat. Yeah, I mean, I and have I'd a Snapchat. I feel super creepy. I'm like, check me out on Snap. <laughs> check me out on Snap. No, I won't. I won't check you out on Snap. Dude, you haven't been on my Snap in a long time. Get on that Snap. Did you guys ever have a MySpace? Build it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Did you have your top eight? For sure. Did it, it cause was, drama? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. the top eight was your top eight friends? Yeah. yeah. And then, <laughs> but you always had to have Tom in there. You know oh. that Jagoff Tom that was just in a white T-shirt? Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, you own MySpace. Get something a little Go nicer than friends. a white tee. Yeah. And he just had the same profile pic all the time. But yeah, you used to put, instead of like, um, uh, you would put bulletins out, which was basically just a way, like that was the stream before the stream. And then you could decorate your own page, like you would go to someone's MySpace page, and like it would be like a glitter waterfall coming down at you, and then like I do, I never background. had one, but I I do remember that. Like I wasn't, I don't know if I wasn't allowed to have one, but I remember like looking at that, being like, oh, this looks cool. Yeah, you were probably oh, yeah. fourteen years old. <laughs> it was your own website. Like you could have a mute, you could have a song start playing when mm-hmm. somebody came to your page. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It just sounds so cheesy. So cheesy. Yeah, it's the worst. Yeah. I mean, I remember it. I just didn't. I I had. I didn't have a page. I didn't get into it. I was like, this stuff's a fad. Did you guys have instant mess like AIM? No, no. A little bit. I didn't. Towards the end of my college, that was around. Because when I went to Penn State, you got an email, and it was like everybody was like, "Hey, got an email. (laughs) Never used that." And now everything is done by that. Yeah. Wow. No. I mean, dude, I, we, we're, I we're say, old. Yeah, we're old. We're How old? old? I'm old. <laughs> just kidding. You I'm 65. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm 46. Really? Yeah, so it was 24 years ago. I'm 38, and it's funny because I'm talking to my daughters now, and they're asking for a phone, and right. my, or my oldest one is, and she was like, when did you get a phone? And I was like, well, they didn't really, like, cell phones weren't really a thing. The first cell phone that I got was when I was driving across the country and I was in college. Wow. You know, it was an LG phone. One of those flips. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah I dude. had that. That was I had that in college. And it had like the little mini screen on the outside of it. And I was like, yeah. this thing yes. is boss. I think we had the same one. Yeah. But instant messages, like that's how you made plans in, in when I was in high school. And Not me. Carrier pigeon, smoke signals. <laughs> <laughs> like you had an away message up that said yeah. out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we're worse off for everything that's happened to us. What's next? <laughs> okay. A 14-year-old is so addicted to Fortnite that he head-butted his mom when she tried to take away the game. That's, that's sad. Cool I know. 
That's mm. really sad. Okay, so there's a woman named Britta Hodge in Sydney, Australia, and she says her 14-year-old is beyond addicted to Fortnite. She says he only leaves the house once a week. He doesn't go to school anymore. And when she tried to take away his PS4, he headbutted her. She's been bringing in doctors and experts to try to break his addiction, but nothing's working. And while she keeps trying to figure out how to help him, now she says she's sharing their story to raise awareness about video game addiction. It's a really, I mean, it's a real thing. I could not believe the extent to which people are addicted to this stuff. I've talked to people who've lost, like, marriages over video game addiction. It's so crazy. I don't even know what Fortnite is. you got to lure this kid out of the house. So whether yeah. it's like a trail of Pop-Tarts or Cheetos or whatever it is to get him outside of the house, and then you take the machine away. Right. He doesn't have it in the house. That's what I do. <laughs> if if the girls, if I have to clean up their stuff and it's laying on the floor, it goes into toy jail. Oh, I like toy jail. That's awesome. And Great move by you. It stays in toy jail until they do some kind of act, and every act that they do of like any kind of cleaning up around the house, one toy comes out. That's nice. That's a good, you know, compromise. The problem is that we used to be like, oh, get out of the house. You know, we we used to have fun with a stick and everything. But now, like, you, you kind of have to be savvy and oh, understand absolutely. how computer interface works. And like your kid will be behind. Yes. Yeah. So but there's a balance there. And I don't know. Uh, it needs to be struck short of um mommy gets headbutt you know i was talking about this weekend but i feel i mean i don't have kids right now but i feel like it would just be an easy thing to say like i need to go make dinner here's the ipad don't bother oh, me for but, sure. but i know Dude, that that's not right road though. trips yes road trips parents give their kids ipads all the time and i don't blame them right they're like here just just sit on this thing and be quiet for the next four hours it's almost like a necessary evil yeah parents lean on them a lot i know we do yeah. Oh, well. Church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Out to dinner. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, what's definitely next? Do one more here. Okay, this is a nice one. A guy finds out his buddy at work is his biological father. There's a oh. truck driver in northwest Wisconsin named Nathan Booz who was adopted as a baby, and he never knew who his real parents were because he never asked. We're not sure how old he is, but he looks like he's in his mid-20s, according to this report. His adoptive mom did know who they were, but she never told him. Then she was scrolling through his Facebook page recently when she saw a photo of his biological dad on his friends list. And it turns out he works with him. His dad's name is Bob DeGaro, and Nathan's known him for about two years. They both work for a trucking company called Rock Solid Transport, and Bob was also in the dark. He had no idea Nathan was his son. It turns out he and his ex-wife gave him up for adoption because they were struggling financially. And Nathan has two siblings he never knew about. He's also getting married soon and says Bob's invited. <laughs> it sounds like he would now have gotten the invite anyway. Yeah. But Bob joked he might get a better seat now. So, the, I mean, that is remarkable. Think of uh, somebody at your workplace and then imagine them finding out that they are your dad. I wonder that every time I cross Sean McDowell in the hallway. <laughs> are you my dad? We're Twitter friends. He seems really nice. I've never met him. Sean? The nicest. Yes. Dude, he's the greatest I ever. I know. I want to meet him. Yeah, he might be walking around the hallway here later. You might be able to yeah. crawl right up into his chest hair and just take a little nap after the show. But he might be one of your dads, so maybe <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, before. I would be so psyched to find out if I was orphaned that hey, Sean McDowell was in. Hey! Billy. 
You're grounded. Just kidding. <laughs> he would be a Let's cool dad. Some ice lights. Come on. <laughs> he would be a cool dad. Sean? Oh, my God. The greatest. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, think of how much musical knowledge you would have uh, gleaned over the years if Sean was your... T- and he'd be your adoptive father, so he'd be like... <laughs> totally chill. He would yeah. never have been a pain in the ass at any point. You're already fully grown. It's just all the benefit. It's all the good stuff. It's like having an uncle. Right. Sean McDowell. In a way... He kind of is everybody's exactly. uncle. Exactly. In a way, he kind of yeah. is. The cool he, uncle. Not he the came back one. to work yesterday after a yeah. couple of weeks after his uh, open heart surgery. We're glad to have him back here. They I ha- can't believe he's already back. I can't believe they shaved the chest to get through the, yeah. the chest cavity. Uh, what kind of Ginsu knife did they use for that? They got the Heinz Field landscaping team to come in. <laughs> okay, so I don't know. Does he have a hairy chest? Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Dude. And he... Beaver pelt. He leaves the unbuttoned to about... What do you think? About button three? Yeah. Wow. Oh, That's a statement. Dude, it's impressive. More buttons are unbuttoned than are buttoned. It's manly as hell. I like it. Dude, he's old school. There could be jewels in there. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> well, I like him. He's a good Twitter friend. He's he likes greatest. my posts all the time, even Family when I know he doesn't care about them. <laughs> no, he's no, dude. He's the he's the best. Well, hopefully you'll meet him. But yes. we want to get you out of here before Mark Madden comes in. So because you don't you don't need that. Yeah, I've heard I've I've heard he's he's tough. Oh he's no, nice he's guy. he's the nicest guy ever. I think you, he's my dad. <laughs> he could be. <laughs> dude. If Mark Madden was your dad, look, there'd be a lot of light. You know, it, 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 every time you got grounded, he'd be like, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. <laughs> I'd be the little genius. <laughs> Super genius junior. Ju- ju- dude, junior genius. That is a cartoon <laughs> if there ever was. You know, like Muppet Babies? We could have like Madden Baby, like just yeah. the junior, junior genius. And he would not want me to grow up soft. Oh, he's going to come in shortly. So, Gabriella, we're going to let you get out of here. Okay, f- make a fast exit. Yeah. But thanks so much for coming <laughs> in Thank today. Thank you for having for me Val. again. Uh, football is back this Sunday. The Steelers and the Browns. It's week one of the NFL season. And the kickoff, of course, 1 o'clock here on your radio home of the Black and Gold 102.5 DVE. And Bud Light specials abound this year once again. It is back. The Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. Perrytown Draft House in Westview. $2 Bud Light 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games. It's Perrytown Draft House in Westview. They're your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. Mike's coming in next with your sports coach uh, talking to the media yesterday. No Lev Bell at the facility for the 9 a.m. meetings this morning. Gabriella, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Mark Madden on the way, 945. DVE Sports. All right, the DVE morning show. Mike Pursuta with your sports. The Steelers getting set for game one of well, the 2018 of season. Lev Bell no-shows this morning. Multiple uh, reports on Twitter that he is not in the facility, which uh, adds a little more clarity to a situation that remains unclear and uh, may for a while now. Uh, that notwithstanding, the Steelers are due in Cleveland on Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock, and uh, in terms of who's going to practice today, Mike Tomlin uh, optimistic yesterday. 
We should anticipate uh, all members of our team at least being partial participants as we get started this week uh, with practice and kind of let that be our guide in terms of their inclusion in the plan or the anticipation of play. Some of those guys that I'm talking about that have missed some time are, are Vance McDonald and James Washington, Mike Hilton, um, T.J. Watt, uh, X-Man, uh, Grumble. Um, we'll watch some of those guys and and, and divide the labor up and, 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 and utilize their talents accordingly based on what we see as the week progresses. That's uh, relatively good news for the Steelers who have been uh, without a lot of guys a lot in the preseason. Oh, my God. They, ha- they haven't played with a full defense once, right? What that does to uh, you know continuity and cohesion and all that stuff remains to be seen. Uh, hmm. Here's uh, what On I the th- job training, <laughs> like, let's go, boys. Here's what I thought was Mike Tomlin's most uh, significant and most uh, accurate and insightful comment yesterday. Uh, it's not necessarily profound, but it's something that a lot of people tend to lose sight of, particularly in a season opener. Man, this is not a finished product as we kick out of the gates and start our season. Um, Man, we better continually be individuals and a group on the rise uh, in all aspects of our game uh, if we want to continue to be on the road as it gets increasingly narrow. And if we put that into the Tomlin translator, it would probably say something along the lines of, try to to resist the urge to tweet that everybody sucks and everybody should be fired midway through the second quarter. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mike, I'll try, but I can't promise. Try hard. You know I'm not a good Uh, sport. Whether they win, lose, or tie, it, it's the first game. And he's absolutely right that the teams that ultimately achieve are the ones that are able to get better as the thing progresses. I would just, just look at the Eagles last year, that what they started with and what they finished with, and they were still able to win the Super Bowl despite losing se- their quarterback. Several injuries that just on their own should have been crippling enough to derail the thing, and they didn't let it happen. Or look back to the undefeated Patriots who went undefeated all the way to the Super Bowl and didn't win it. And then when Plexico said, we're going to beat them by whatever score he said, and Brady's like, oh, you only think we're going to score 24? And then they only scored 17. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Uh, as for why the Steelers play the it's game... It's sad that I take like pleasure in pointing out like one of the three times Brady didn't win the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's a lot, though. I also take pleasure in that. He it's, won it a lot, fun. though. Yeah. A lot. He's lost it a lot, too. Yep. That's still pretty good. It's... You got to be good to lose 20 games, right? Yes, you do. <laughs> they... You got to be really good to lose three Super Bowls. Jim <laughs> Kelly lost four. If they let you set the strikeout record, you were a hell of a hitter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> As for why they'll be playing the game Sunday and beyond uh, our continuing uh, acknowledgement of Christian uh, Kirksey of the Browns on Hard Knocks when he asked his teammates, why do you play? What's your why? Uh, who who better than uh, a former Cleveland Browns quarterback, Joe Hayden? I would have just said I played because for the love of the game, for sure, because I started when I was seven years old just playing football just because I loved it. And um, also now cause I just want to be the best, just afraid of failure. And uh, we couldn't uh, – complete this segment without hearing from our guy here at DVE, defensive captain Cam Hayward. I love the team aspect of it. You know, if I wanted to play an individual sport, I play golf or I do something 
like chess or something. You know, I don't have to rely on anyone. I actually like that it's 11 people that have to depend on each other to win at something. And I'm competitive as hell. <laughs> My God, I'd love to see Cam play golf. <laughs> like watching Harry Watch. and the Hendersons try to play putt-putt. <laughs> Got the Dr. Hibbert laugh uh, in there at the end. Uh, some stuff we haven't gotten to today. Uh, Joe Musgrove picked up where Trevor Williams left off. God, their virus. pitching has been so good. Six and a third, five hits, two runs, no walks, eight strikeouts. Bucks beat the Reds seven to three. I still Mo- think we should do uh, we should do spring training down there next year. I'm, I'm with you. I I think there's going to be some reasons for optimism going into the off season. Maybe they'll do their best to stamp that in the. <laughs> An unrecognizable heap again. Guys, there's a lot of enthusiasm about next year. We better screw it up. Maybe we've been coddling these guys too much. <laughs> Break out what the, do you say we raise ticket prices? Break out the prop plane. Uh, Musgrove improves to 6-8. and eight. His ERA is 3.75. Starling Marte at his 18th home run. Gregory Polanco, two more RBI. He's got 80 to go with 23 home runs. Trade him. And a uh, throng of 8,855 crammed its way into PNC Park. Last one against the Reds tonight. Homer Bailey against Jamison Tyone. Let the pitching continue, Randall. The Pittsburgh Fantasy Football Challenge is back at DB.com. Grand prize for week one is a pair of tickets to the Steelers-Kansas City game on September 16th. Head to DB.com for rules and registration. Submit a lineup by 1255 Sunday, September 9th, and you're good to go. The Pittsburgh Fantasy Football Challenge at DVE.com. It's the DVE Morning Show. Mark Mann will be uh, joining us momentarily. Browns and the Steelers Sunday. The Hard Knocks finale last night. I'll tell you, I really felt like it was the best Hard Knocks HBO has had to offer yet. And I don't know how much of that is tempered by the fact that, you know, we know Todd Haley... Uh, that it's the Browns. It's the Browns. And we've had so much fun with the Browns through the years. But, I mean. Well, I think, you know, it's the most recent one, too. Uh, the Rex Ryan Jets one stands out to me. I really enjoyed the um, the one uh, with the Texans as well. But they have clearly gotten better at it as well. I mean, that that is a mammoth project when you think of how much stuff they're filming and how they're able to distill it all down into one hour. Uh, that's got to be a hell of a process. Remember the Bengals one where Harrison basically just kept shunning the cameras? Well, last night's kicks off with news that the insider trading charge for uh, – who's what's the guy's name? Mike Michael Kendrick. Michael Kendrick, yeah. That was crazy. They're all trying to figure out what it means and what it is. And Todd Haley's like sitting in the GM's office and he's like, so is he going to jail? <laughs> like they don't even know. <laughs> I have no idea. I think Carl Nassib, you know, I was waiting for him to explain that to the rest of the team and get it completely wrong. I I was surprised he got cut. I was a little bit too. He got picked up by Tampa. Yeah, so. two days later. Right away. But everybody they focused on, except Baker Mayfield, got cut. thought that was really a uh, strong statement to end it, though, when they showed Baker Mayfield walking out to the practice field. Sort of is like it, the end of draft day, right? Is it me, or does Baker Mayfield think Hugh Jackson is a moron? It seems to me every interaction they have, he's looking at him like, 
Dude, you're not going to be my coach very much longer. I don't know. I think he's a moron. <laughs> so then I think that everybody else thinks they he thinks he's a moron. They must think he's a moron, right? Yeah. I, I got to admit, I've been doing this a long time. I haven't seen a lot of video of NFL coaches holding up a fist and then doing the uh, crank motion to raise the middle raise finger. Raise the middle finger. To the camera. Yeah, I mean, look, Rex I know Ryan. He's just kidding around yeah. and all that, but yeah, really, Re- is that the look you want to put to the country as the head well, football coach of the Cleveland Browns? Rex Ryan did stuff yes. like that. You know, there were plenty of coaches who were colorful. Did he actually do that? No, he sucked on his wife's feet and put it out on YouTube. We didn't do it on Hard Knocks. <laughs> Worse, he did Which it where everyone could he should have done. Worst thing he did was chain smoke M and M's. He definitely did that. But, like, <laughs> the Browns look like they're a mess. The organization looks like it's kind they, of a mess. They look like they have some players, but they don't really look like they know what they're doing. Jarvis Landry looks like he is completely confounded, like WTF. I do think Baker Mayfield's going to be good. The reason that I th- that I thought it was so interesting was there's this infusion of energy into this hopeless like helpless organization kind of vibe where Landry and Todd Haley and Greg Williams and all these guys coming from different places like this ain't how you do it. I get that, but I also think it's that way everywhere in the preseason. Until reality sets. The monotony. Well, and you just think this year's gonna be different just because. And and your coaches are telling you that and you want you're wanting to believe that. So you get a false sense of, yeah, this year it's gonna change. And then when you're one and four or whenever it is, all you got is all you got is uh, Owen the comfort dog walking around. Maybe you can rub a crystal. Saying, "What am I this week? Owen five, Owen six. Breakout star, offensive line coach Bob Wiley. Shit! Hut gut. That hut gut is remarkable. Amazing. How His is shirt that guy a coach? Is so stretched out. The collar is just yanked in every direction. His shirt looks like it's been two through two world wars. <laughs> two world wars. Double M, Mark Madden, when we return on the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman and uh, joining us, the voice you just heard, promoting Shenderovich, Shenderovich, und Fishman. I believe Le'Veon Bell is in discussions with them as we speak, Randall. <laughs> Shenderovich, Shenderovich, They've Fishman got his back. Und Bell. And not his wallet. And <laughs> not his wallet. You will give us the plans. Fishman! <laughs> Double M. Mark Madden here. All right, let's 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 start with Lev Bell. Not there again today. Yeah. I think this situation requires Matt Mertz. Well, they're going to have to plumb something? Yeah. This is a gummed up situation here. It is gummed up. There's no doubt about that. Um, Perhaps Lev's head out of his ass. This, no, uh, this probably means he's not playing Sunday, right? Oh, I, I think it means he's not showing up for quite a while. Yeah, see, because that's that's what you, I thought. You see, because if you don't show up for one or two yeah. games, that doesn't do anything for you. There's no point to be proven here. That would just be forfeiting whatever it is, $1.7 million for no reason. I think if he's not there for the first game, he won't be there till the 11th game. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. What a disaster. I, uh, I don't... Oh, you say disaster... I say tomato. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> this could be a the the, uh, the reality for the Steelers, and I don't think a lot of people look at it that way. So it's eight hundred thousand per game. So if he were, were eight fifty five to, to be exact, so that's eight point five million dollars he's going to give up if he doesn't do ten weeks, right? But his reasoning would be 
that he's conserving his body, uh, you know, reducing his workload for free agency, and the teams will, you know, pay more for a guy who's coming in with that much less wear and tear next season. Um, it's not what I would do. I would come in and take the money because I don't think you ever get that money back. But I think it is an alternate point of view and, and not one to be scoffed at. Um, as I wrote in the trip this morning, I blame the system for this more than I do Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. There's no free agency in football, not for the very best players. Right. You know, all you do is 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 flick on the franchise tag, and that player is tied to that team whether he wants to be or not. And that's happened to Le'Veon Bell two straight years now. He saw all these other dudes get paid, like Aaron Donald and Todd Gurley, and he's frustrated. And I don't know if he's proven a point. I think he's probably conserving his body if he skips all these games and doesn't show up till week 11 just by way of burning the contract. I bet he shows up for, for week 11 and gets a whammy in his hammy, the most inexact of injuries, and maybe doesn't even play those six games. And uh, if I'm kidding, it's it, it's it's not that much. Uh I just think this is going to be a stink sandwich, and the Steelers are going to have to absorb many bites. Well, there was some scuttlebutt out there that the injury that kept them out of the AFC Championship game against the Patriots was not severe, and more he didn't want to exacerbate it because he was worried about the next contract. That would not surprise me at all. But but to be fair... He carried the ball about 700 times in the three games before that. I know. He had 155 yards the week before that. Yeah. And he... Well, right, but that doesn't mean he wouldn't nurse a minor injury for his future. And i got to be honest, when you have this franchise tag, which is a series of one-year deals, part of me can't blame the guy. This franchise tag is a poison pill for these guys. It sounds good, and the public laps it up because they get so much money, but it's a one-year deal with no security, and it takes your movement away. It, it's not free agency. It's just simply not free. And in another, all right. Well, let me ask, follow up on that point. Let me ask you this: If he got an injury, say he showed up, got right. hurt in week two, right? Do you think he doesn't get signed the next year? Uh, of course he does. But I, I, I think there's the chance there. It might not be for as much or for as long. I think that by sitting the ten games out, he would be looking to maximize, to absolutely maximize. And I know he wants to maximize because he rapped about it. <laughs> the other thing, too, is when you're dealing with a one-year deal and you know you're going to be on the market at the end of that year, why would you come in and let a team drive a car like they stole it? Because basically they're going to give them the ball 400 times. Yeah, I think this is his way of avoiding that workload if he doesn't show up for, for X amount of games. Another thing that's unfair about the, the, the franchise tag, another poison pill is that you can't negotiate a long-term deal while you're under the tag. Once you pass a certain day trip, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Maybe you do. It but, came and went. But once you pa- – yeah, right. You, you can't no, any longer negotiate a long-term contract. Well, why not? Why can't you negotiate a long-term contract? Give me the good reason for that. It's just another way – and don't get me wrong. The players agreed to this CBA. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the worst union in the history of maybe unions. I mean, no guaranteed money in no, the franchise tag. What's worse? Gabrielle Union. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm, we're not a union shop on my side of the street. Oh, okay. I would strike, though. I would not cross the picket line if it came to that. Even if the Pinkertons came out and started shooting? <laughs> I, uh, I didn't cross the picket line. Back when I worked for the Post-Gazette, the truckers won strike. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You weren't Solidarity, a scab. buddy. No, no. I, no, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in unions. Seriously. Me too. I mean, there's some bad unions. There's no doubt about that. But 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 I'm a big believer in, there in, are in, worse in the concept. Yes. Billionaires who abuse their workers. It's like uh, you know the greater good. 
Well, I'm not sure I believe in the greater good. I just like the camaraderie and solidarity of unions. You melted down on Twitter this weekend over Landry Jones. It was a full-on meltdown. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was... I'm always in control. It was a full... <laughs> I'm in control! Full-on... <laughs> Fishman! Old Fishman! You will talk to Shenderovich and Shenderovich and Fishman. You had a meltdown. And they will tell you I did not lose control. <laughs> Full-on meltdown <laughs> over the Landry Jones thing. That's not true. Be- I, I think it was a grievous mistake, but it was, you know, I play Twitter like a fiddle. You hold it under your neck? Yes. Yes, the keyboard. <laughs> kind, of, kind of like Keith Emerson oh used to. Yeah. Remember how he would play yeah. like America? Yeah. Sure. Throw up the little uh, keytar. That's a shame this is radio. That was a compelling visual. It was. Yeah. It was. It was the act out the really act, made it. The act out was great. But All right, so Landry Jones, I think that <laughs> mostly this is much ado about nothing, but I think the larger uh, point to be made from it all is they could have probably figured out a way to keep all four of them because there are some scrubs on that yeah, squad that no don't need to be to there. there's no keeping all four, though, but, is there? But do you think Ben got pissed? He lobbied for Landry in camp saying... Look, I've got a good working relationship with this guy. He helps helps me. Or do you think Ben was just like, just uh, you know, saying think, some niceties? I, I don't think Ben's outraged. Uh, I do think though that now in the quarterback room and on the sideline, Ben is a pure mentor with every other quarterback on the team, as opposed to be able to bounce things off them. When you're in the league for five years like Landry Jones was and with the same team right. and in the same system, you absorb a lot, you see a lot, you learn a lot, you know a lot. And, and now Ben just doesn't have that confidant. Now, I, I don't think that's going to be why he has a terrible season because I don't think he's going to have a terrible season. But uh, but uh, I would have kept Landry Jones. Did you watch Hard Knocks? No. Oh. I, I, I watched. Did you watch the premiere of The Purge last night on USA TV? I don't even know what no. that is. You know what The Purge is? I mean, the movie The Purge? Oh, you'll find out. The movie The Purge? What's it about? Is it based on the movie? Yes, it's the TV series based on the movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we're living it. Well, no, because murder is not legalized yet. We're going to well, do better at the it CBA. It always has been, depending on your stats. <laughs> I don't know who you are. Yeah, right. <laughs> but this is for everybody. It's very egalitarian. What if Mike Tomlin loses this game on Sunday? How mad will Terry Bradshaw be? I don't get all that. I mean, well, here, here's the thing. With, with for those the, who don't know, Terry Bradshaw once again did a radio interview in which he lambasted Mike Tomlin and said he thinks he's a terrible coach. He basically said he's a cheerleader. Again, which he apologized for saying last year. Tomlin is the most winning or the winningest coach besides Belichick in the last 10 years. Yeah, I don't care about regular season. Never had a losing season? I don't care about regular season. Well, maybe this is just his annual thing he needs to apologize for saying about Mike Tomlin. That's true. Think about that. He's getting it out of the way early. See, see, I think there is a legit criticism of Mike Tomlin, though. Uh, I don't like citing his regular season record. This isn't a regular season town, and he's had the components to do far better in the playoffs than he has. I don't think it's unfair to say he's underachieved in the playoffs, particularly in the Bell, Brown, and Ben era. That said, those those guys have been hurt a lot and haven't played together, but the world doesn't want to hear about the labor pains. It only wants to see the baby. And if he... uh, if if he's the coach that his regular season record dictates he is, he would have found a way, uh, at least occasionally. And, and and I thought he mangled last year's playoffs. I think the look ahead to New England, I know people don't like that bulletin board stuff, but I thought that was mm. unwise uh, management of the whole concept. So you think they were better than Jacksonville? Yes. How many times would they have to lose to Jacksonville head-to-head before you'd say Be- Jacksonville's better than Best them? of seven. Okay. <laughs> they trailed two games tonight. Because they went over two. I know. I know. I mean, and they were both at home. I know. Uh, seven turnovers. I watched the games. Okay. Just. I wish I didn't have to. 
but I do. Don't forget the year before that. That was the year that AB caught Tomlin saying we just spotted those a holes a, a day and a half. Well, we got to get New England out of our head. We have to. Well, I don't know. That's easier said than done. I think that's been accomplished. So I, I think the Tomlin, I think the Bradshaw criticism of Tomlin is overboard. Yeah, and I think it's. Seventy five percent unfounded, but I think there's a grain of truth in there somewhere. There's some merit, but his it's it's uh, overblown a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, there are people saying on Twitter that uh, that you know it's Bradshaw criticizing the black coach. I I think that's very unfair to say. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't necessarily think that plays into it at all. Uh, I, I don't. Well, I don't think so either. I think it's more style. I don't think he likes that. Like what he sees to be. Anything but Chuck Knoll, those guys hate. That's all those guys. What did Chuck Knoll do to those guys that they're all like? He, he, was he a, hated Chuck Knoll when he was his guy. He kind. hated him. Yeah, but Chuck And the was, feeling was mutual. I, I mean, I know it's a different era, but boy. The emperor. It, it, I speak of Chuck Knoll with reference. There's not many people who fit into that category for me. Yeah. Uh, Mark Madden. Chenderovich, Chenderovich, uh, Fishman, right, Fishman, and Knoll. And no. Don't you besmirch <laughs> Knoll's name by putting him in with those with those guys. They're, they're, they've got a lot to accomplish before they reach the Knoll That's too bad they category. weren't around when uh, Knoll got sued. That's a good point. Well, I, I always, you know, you know who I always think of when I think of Chenderovich, Chenderovich, and Fishman? Uh, All in the family. Uh, Rabinowitz, Rabinowitz, Meathead, Rabinowitz, Meathead, and, I'm calling my lawyers. Rabinowitz, Rabinowitz, and uh, uh, what, what's the other one? Rabinowitz? That's the one. <laughs> I, I would go into Archie's lines, but they're no longer appropriate for mainstream media. No, they are not. Would you like to see Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman recreating the Three Stooges uh, football? <laughs> This, uh, the the sketch that they did. I would not know. I have too much respect for for the law firm of Sandorovich, Sandorovich, and Fishman. Which one do you think would be the best running back? I I, I cannot say. Fishman. I'd say one of the. Yeah, Fishman's bigger, right? Yeah. They'd be like the glitch. I, I I picture a power eye. Oh yeah, for sure. Old school. The Fishman in the yeah. front. The Sandorovich is in the back. Maybe a wishbone. Wishbone. Yep. With Fishman, the two Fishmans. Back. Wishbone. <laughs> That's right. You come out and run the fishbone. You don't know which way you're going to go, left or right. You got Shenderovich coming up the middle. Uh, what about Pitt Penn State? Have you guys talked about Pitt Penn State at all? Nobody, nobody cares, nobody right? Nobody cares. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think so either. Sold out game. Tons of attention. You know, you know nobody what cares. No, 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 no. Everybody cares. It's just. No, you know what is funny? If there's a possibility to have a sold out game where nobody cares, that might be it. I think people think they should go. They go by rote. They care by rote. I, I just think when. It is habit. Like, I, from my perspective, I've been wanting this to be a every year thing for so long, yeah. and we've been arguing why it isn't for so long. I'm bored with that. It's and I, you know it's going to end after next year. Well, now now they're like two ships that pass in the night. It's so temporary yeah. that, and plus, I, I I think the gap between the teams is pretty significant. And yeah, That's the, the, the real actual issue. matchup you can't talk about. You have to talk about all the ancillary stuff, the the history of the rivalry. Oh, I disagree. The I no, think, the I no think you can talk about the matchup. Do you think it's going to be a game? What did we see out of Penn State last week that makes us think they're world beaters? I watched that game. App Cause State because they barely State beat great, App State, but at App home. State played great. Yeah, they're still App State. But they pull that on Labor beat, Day weekend. They beat Michigan I mean, once. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm aware. I got you know, the cover of Sports Illustrated framed in my office. You know, you know what's funny about uh, about App State is you would think they would win that FCS every year, and they just don't. Yeah. You know, if they can beat yeah. Michigan and, and almost beat Penn State and all those upsets and near upsets, you'd think they'd do better at their own level, but they just don't. 
I don't know what the demand is for tickets for Saturday night. I would imagine it's pretty great, and prices are, are exorbitant. It's pricey. Yeah. Well, Mark, I, Mark won't be here. He's going I'll to be, Vegas. Well, if I feel well enough, I'm feeling a little bit better. I haven't felt well for three weeks. But I I was out all last week. Had an awful awful illness. But uh, but if, if health permitting, if I can if I feel well enough to get on an airplane, I will be seeing Adam Lambert and Queen on Saturday night. What wow. What's wrong with your health? Uh, just flu like symptoms. Be, be careful. Can I, t- do you talk to your cardiologist? I, I I saw my cardiologist two weeks ago just for my checkup. Okay. Everything was fine there. Because sometimes them flu-like symptoms are like a precursor. I Well, I know that because my heart attack was precursored by flu-like symptoms. All right. But no, no, my heart's fine. I've since been to my primary care physician as well, and uh, we've tested everything, and they find nothing wrong. They just think it's going to pass. All right. Let's be careful. Flu-like Zycam. symptoms, it usually does. Get yeah. You, get your Zycam. I don't even know what Zycam is. What is it? It's like, it's like a, just take it. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing antibiotics now. That's a like since they couldn't figure out what it is, they just they figured, take antibiotics. All right, be careful. Glenn Hughes tonight. I'll tell you what, I bet that's a great show. Yeah, well, he's doing all purple. That's why it's going to be a great show. Yeah, and he's you know you know it's you know it's, I love when guys lay claim the songs they had nothing to do with, like his uh, his encore "Smoke on the Water" and and uh, "Highway Star," which of course he didn't sing or write or anything. That was the uh, the Ian Gillen deep hmm. purple. Yeah. But everything else is from the cover. That's deal. the best Deep Purple. Oh no, I like my favorite Purple album is Burn. Really? Yes, by far. I don't know, man. Best songs, best best everything, and I'm a Coverdale guy too. I mean, I'm not discounting the Gillen work because I mean, how how can you? But Gillen uh, did Lazy, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that'll be a good show tonight. Yeah, I think so. They're cranking them out up there. Yeah, that's a and that's a great venue too. Yeah, tremendous venue. All right, Double M, Mark Madden. This was kind of subdued. Well, you know, it it's... Because uh, of my illness. It's because of your illness and your flu-like symptoms. Could be the last time I'm ever here. Also, it's it's because the impending doom that we're all feeling of a Shenderovich, Shenderovich, Fishman defamation lawsuit. I, o- I always say that uh, one... <laughs> no, they're the greatest, please. I always say that uh, one... I always say this on my show. One day you'll all turn on the radio and you'll hear Adam Crowley. And it was like I was never there. And that's not true. They'll just play music. They can't wait to do that in some levels. I, I want to give credit to Adam Crowley for the funniest daily like pre-show video thing. Oh, that the cheese yeah. I, I yeah. think those are so really funny. I, I get a kick out of those. Dude, those guys are hilarious. Crowley's really good. I mean, I agree. I, th- I think the B team would have been better served instead of just reshuffling the same old lame cards to go out and try to get him, but they weren't motivated we, to do that. We, well, you're campaigning to have Crowley traded. Yeah, you're trying to get him traded. we got to get his Garoppolo friend Tom a t-shirt. He's, he's, he's too good. good. You're Garoppoloing him right out, <laughs> out of the building. Oh, I will Garoppolo. Oh, I know Make you no are. mistake. I, <laughs> I will know. Garoppolo. You are not above a Garoppolo. You can pull it off, too. Yeah, you got the you got the 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 uh, what's the what's the word? You got the uh, the, the stroke, the, the, the juice, the, the juice, the gravitas. Stroke. <laughs> I don't have a stroke. Flu like symptoms. I didn't say I have the stroke. I said I'm having a stroke. <laughs> All right, uh, listen to Mark Madden today. I'm sure it'll be great. Who oh you have God, on? if Lev doesn't show up, he's not going to be he's there. Not showing. Oh, I'm so happy. I mean, how terrible. Well, somebody uh, I don't remember who it was that suggested Ross Tucker said that he could come in on Saturday and then not play and still get paid. But Mike, you said that's not how it works. Uh, it's it's potentially how it works. It's the team's option. They don't they don't they have, don't to, have pay to pay him. You know who I feel bad for? The people Fisherman. who drafted Le'Veon in Fantasy League. I, I pray for them and their families. So that's a Mikey tweet. David's, I know. David Spade. David Spade reached out to him last night. I saw that. 
Hey, Ever- Le'Veon, I picked you first. Hey, overall. when I steal stuff, don't point it out. No. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Yeah, Fishman. what's wrong with you? I can't Garoppolo you, but, but, <laughs> but, but I can bitch and moan. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him done, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.